Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 622. Hopefully you guys have kicked off your guys this weekend with a great start. I know I've got a great guest for us this evening. Hemp Knight, how you doing tonight? You want to tell us how you're doing and, of course, where we can find you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, just been working all day, so... Oh, I'm ready. I've been, I've been thinking about this all day too, what to say and everything. But you can find me at Hemp Night Melts on Instagram. Uh, that's really the best place to find me and see what I do, and that's how I keep everybody up to date on everything I'm doing. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out this evening. Uh, did you bring something to smoke on? Oh, yeah. I brought, I got some hash out and then uh, got some GMO, golden bananas, and then Organitron. He was, he was showing me some tech with my new press. I got a low temp, so he gifted me with some of the Flintstone cake that we pressed earlier. Right on, right on. So uh, might as well kick it off at the appropriate time uh, where we usually do. When and where did uh, cannabis enter your life? Uh, I was kind of like a shy kid growing up. So I was always like the standalone and I had buddies smoking it, you know, and like when they were like 12 and 13. So I would see them and then they finally convinced me I was probably 13, 14 and uh i just had a buddy just you know get some like you know the brick weed back in the day and we rolled it up and we smoked a whole joint my first time and i was like tripping high you know walking down the road looking at all the colors just like kind of it scared me but i also fell in love with it because i've always been adventurous i always kind of did extreme sports and stuff like that so i i was always kind of like like that fear feeling in a weird way so we gave me that and also helped me relax and forget about you know the dumb shit about life that you go through so i always i just kind of fell in love with it right away but was a little scared hesitant and they were all like kind of smoking heavy for that age so <laughs> i just kind of fell in with them and went along i guess So did it kind of fucking um, take off from there? Was it an everyday thing? Uh, how did it transgress from there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, just, you know, I had, I mowed lawns. So I was one of the few buddies around there that had a little bit of money in my pocket. So I, you know, I would try to score what I can and slowly bowl the day turned into you know smoking like a quarter a week by the time i you know 15 16 on to high school then i was always known as that kid the the weed the weed guy in my school you know everybody knew me still the people they they just i kind of stuck in my lane of 
being that guy, just kind of keep my head down, got through school. Uh, and then I started growing right out of high school. I, I raced motocross. So I was, uh, I have, you know, permanent injuries, kind of arthritis and stuff like that. So I was able to get my card when I turned 18. And then I had already like figured out weed before that. But once I figured out to grow it back in, I graduated in 2010. So I started growing, right? I had a buddy that was growing with his older brother and they kind of just showed me how easy it was to, you know, as long as you took care of things, they showed me like just simple pH, simple things like that. Uh, salt nutrients in the beginning, Fox farm, the soil, Fox farm soils and nutrients. That's what they were growing with. Uh, they weren't flushing properly. And that really made me really fast understand like, proper weed like that was flushed and then dried and cured properly right away because i watched them go through it watch them kind of do it just for a few grows and then i bam i got right into it myself just with a one single single-ended hps in a six by ten room and then uh got some clones from them and started So uh, did it's cannabis and extreme sports mix. I know a lot of people say, eh, I didn't like to mix the two, but then there's people like myself that go, ah, it didn't bother me at all. So I did, did it kind of enhance your kind of the, the racing? Did it, did you use it while you're racing? Did you feel like it kind of gave you that competitive edge, like a no fear edge possibly? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it on that. One thing that was crazy is I grew up riding quads, my parents and stuff. Uh, my mom was an ATV safety trainer for young kids. So they could ride trails. So I was involved with maintenance of trails and responsibility, always wearing your gear when you're riding. So they, they were really like strict on that type of stuff. But once I was like riding on my own, I could go to the track on my own stuff like that. When I, you know, got 18, 19 vehicles, stuff like that. I definitely like I experimented with riding and I, I was a little but like I don't when I'm racing because I feel like it, it keeps my mind sharp but like when I'm at Silver Lake or like just out riding like regular trails or dunes or something like that I cannot explain how awesome it is to like not like super high or anything but like to smoke a joint out there and be ripping and enjoying like just the the scenery because silver lake is if anybody hasn't been to michigan like silver lake is one of the greatest places you can visit and just go out and see a part of michigan that most people don't know is there but it definitely like i grew on me grew on me more smoking and i definitely smoked and i can't say i never did that i loved i loved it at times when i was trail riding like i was saying but I had to learn to not smoke and race. That was a kind of a crazy experience because your adrenaline gets so high and it, it, it's kind of a different thing, but still like right after I'm done, I'm right at it to, for just to relax too. I kind of asked because, you know, I'm, I can see both sides of that fence, to be honest with you. The, the clarity that you'd want to have in a competitive edge, 
But then again, I also can, as a cannabis consumer, can relate that, you know, I think, you know, as somebody that mm, handles vehicles, I, I definitely consume and, you know, ride and whatnot. Uh, I think as a, a everyday user, you just don't kind of seem to, doesn't affect you as it would most normal average smokers that are just here and there smokers. It's not like, uh, it's not as intense, I would think. Yeah, the uh, I, I I I do I I like I said I rip out of Silver Lake. I'll be jumping dunes and still doing all that, and I always blaze out there. I'll we'll blaze take that. I usually get a try to get a group going in the parking lot. We're we get a little like I mean just it's the cannabis community. We're all brothers and all those hash makers and shit like that. It's it's just kind of one thing we all do, especially at Silver Lake, trailheads stuff like that. I believe cannabis and nature go hand in hand. But so I guess back to the growing aspect of it. Um, so you kind of mentioned that it was uh, you had your card pretty much before school and before the grow, correct? Uh, I, I got my card when I turned 18. I graduated when I was 17. So, uh, yeah, I. I start growing right when I got my card. I couldn't be a caregiver because you can't be a caregiver in Michigan without being 21. But I just started my 12 right away going at it. I'm some old school genetics too. White Widow. I had a Pineapple Express cut that I miss so dearly. It's one of them just ones that got away. Uh, I got this. I still run this old school sativa that's like a 14-year-old cut. It's called Bubblehead does not wash at all but it it's one of the most headiest sativa old school like fruity cheesy almost like i don't even know what to put on it people that have been around in cannabis really respect that cut hardcore sorry well, um, so oh no no rant all you want there buddy uh, it's your episode <laughs> <laughs> so i well the reason why i ask that is because i find that you know most people understand or see the the uh medical use in cannabis right away you know it's it's hard to deny that it doesn't it helps your back and it has a lot of medical benefits but it definitely seems to uh change quite a bit when you start to cultivate the plant so is that the case or is that a yay or nay in your particular case uh oh. cultivation well sorry change the sure medicine saying. for you oh, oh no, yeah that's pretty much what yeah through to be honest like i was like i said i smoked basically brickweed up until i started growing because i didn't have a lot of money and back then green weed was you know so expensive and uh, so I had to figure it out on my own. And once that's, that's what made cannabis actually here one second. But that growing 
once you grow a plant, even if it's not cannabis or, or if you, if you're growing tomatoes, once you harvest your own tomatoes that you grow, you always have a more connection to that thing. That plant. I encourage anybody to grow anything, no matter if it's cannabis, anything, because once you, once you do it yourself, harvest it to harvest and have a good product in the end, that's such a fulfilling feeling. That's medicine as of itself, like completing it and then to smoking it to everything is just so like uh just fulfilling like it's it's part of what like like people seek in religion it's part of what people seek in just friendships it's 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 all related to growing a plant and then any even a cannabis plant and then beyond that So when you, when you took to growing, a lot of growers actually, it's a hard decision on uh, what type of setup they're going to go with. What, like, what made you decide to go with the setup that you did? Was it other growers growing similarly? Information you found on YouTube? Uh, how'd you get to get the setup started? Uh, literally a combination of all three of them. I always... Uh, my girlfriend says I'm because I'm a Virgo. I'm kind of a perfectionist. I, I believe that more and more, but like, that's what I've always wanted to smoke the best. Once I smoked some of the best, I wanted to smoke the best. And where I live in the middle of nowhere, Amish country to get the best, you have to make it yourself. If it's, and if it's comes down to anything that really, that's how you achieve it without either paying a ton for something or just doing it yourself. So I just, I started with salts when I started growing uh, in Fox farm soil, I did really pretty good. I, I struggled with a little bit of, you know, PM issues cause I wasn't keeping my environment the right way and stuff like that. But eventually I figured that out, dehumidifiers, air conditioners, getting everything dialed in. And then I, I, you know, it just took me like a couple harvests to, I, I feel like my first two harvests were even still really good. I, I pulled two pounds off my first single ended HPS first grow I ever did with Fox farm nutrients, yeah, Fox farm pretty... soil. Yeah, did uh, six, I six would cuts consider that to five... be a, a good first grow there. Uh, yeah. Six cuts and five gallon pa pails, you know, and just tried my best they went yellow in the beginning but then i realized about kelmag kelmag is such a crazy thing it's even strain to strain like some lot like need more some need less one's mobile one's immobile so you're like playing that game constantly of kelmag uh, and then i wanted to grow organics because i smoked some organic like i i found you know i finally smoked some like really good organically grown weed and i was like i got this is where it's at like and then this, and then I've always kind of been a hippie, you know, I guess. So I, I've always wanted sustainable gardening, stuff like that. Like never really liked salts because I knew there was more potential always because I knew, understood organic gardening and stuff like that. So I, I really did want, like, I, I started with just like the organic versions of like advanced nutrients. And, and back then, 2011, 2012, was like 
probably one of the worst years for them as nutrient companies because it was so inconsistent that it was I would have a good grow and a bad grow and a good grow. That's also depending on every grows like that, but their nutrients were just so inconsistent back then. I tried using the and then I found house and garden for a little while as a nutrient line. Did really good with them. Started getting over two pounds of light. Really felt like I was killing it, you know, when I was getting that. Uh, I started, and the, the, the thing is too, I forgot, I keep not even talking about is the hash, the, the hash is what made me a good grower. I started making water hash before I started making growing. I, I'm my, the buddy that I was talking about that had the grow. We used to make blender hash, like some like water hash in a blender and use the blender as agitation and run it through these like little like nylon screens that he had. I can't remember what, if they were even like the right microns and stuff, but we were making like little bits of hash and stuff like that. So I understood the trichome right then. But then when I started growing, uh, I made bubble hash and re- and started learning the micron sizes and, and, and seeing the different strains yield in the different micron sizes. And everything was strain dependent on how much it would yield and stuff like that. We were just air air drying everything brown pressing the water out of it and you know cream i mean good hash for like 2006 probably but you know people there was some people making foam melt back then but back in you know 09 to 10 i discovered bho for a little bit uh you know because that i feel like everybody did they that all all through throughout doing this it just kept making me as a grower better and better because i focused on how can i get more hash so as i got better at growing i got more hash so it's like i but it was so back in 2010 2011 i gave a lot of people in my area their first dab so nobody knew and i was just blasting you know open blasting and stuff like that and then I discovered mystery oil, like just through YouTube. That's where kind of, I started getting on YouTube a lot watching. I see you kind of do the weed nerd thing, right? Like you, you were, you probably like sub cool and all that. Right. Sub cool was a definite friend of mine and influence for this 100%. Sure. Yeah, I was always a weed nerd, man. All my, the genetics I run today are, are, are Doctor Who's Kush, which is Quantum Kush hit to Doctor Who. Uh, the Quantum Kush, which is Homegrown Natural Wonders, OB Diesel, it's all that crew. Uh, for, for years, I grew, I, I grown so much. So I loved Subcool. I loved his vibe and stuff, even though the bullshit, you know, I really did. I was, I was a kind of a loner. You know, I, I was on the internet. I, I used to be on IC mag and stuff like that and watching all the breeders, the baddest breeders that blew up to today, you know, and it was really, I wrote, I, so I got a lot of tester seeds from Subcool, the, the hell's OG Quirkle cross that I run. That is just one of the most, I don't like spicy OGs. So the it's called purgatory. He called it purgatory, but it's that hell's OG with the Quirkle. It like took the spice away, but kept the OG. It's the, it's a sweeter OG, but it's got the fucking punch of every bit of OG that you, any OG can fucking put to it. Purgatory had a nice yield to her as well. <laughs> On top of it all. That's the first plan I ever got three pounds per light off single ended HPS with eight foot ceilings. 
pretty good, pretty good. And a good choice of genetics, too, too especially as a ass maker. I have to kind of give you a thumbs up so far in the story. <laughs> Not just because I'm a weed nerd. Yeah, maybe. I, I always <laughs> want to be a weed nerd. So, uh, as far as hash goes there, um, oh, you want me to uh, pick up on uh, where I left off of BHO, once I found Mr. Oil, like that was, you know, you probably know what Mr. Oil is, right? Tell me about it. Uh, It's basically like you got canned butane like this. And even in, even in pharmaceutical, like even the stuff that, that you get for closed loops, you got to dis- distill and there's still, there's, there's lubricants to make all this, the gas flow properly into this and to like for the seal and everything. So that gets left in there. There it's, it, and you can't get that out if you're open blasting. It's open blasting is just terrible for the environment for one. And then it's just terrible for yourself. It's just terrible. Like, I I strongly suggest if you're gonna ever use do any kind of solvent extracts, it's closed loop definitely not just to recover your butane or your solvent or anything, just for the environment for one and for everybody's health that's smoking it because it's it's just you can never get all that out. That's why there's parts per million regulations in the mar in the rec market and everything. They've raised it in a lot of. Uh, a lot of places they've raised the parts per million because nobody could achieve such low parts per million with certain textures, the diamonds, the sauce, everything. It's all hype. This, you know, terps that terpenes are a solvent themselves. This is, that's a one big thing. That's a whole nother thing I can get on after I get done talking about, but I got, I, once I learned about that, I wanted to make water hash for real. I seen the melts out in Colorado with river rock and they worked with rare dankness. I, I popped a lot of rare dankness seeds too, but I, I didn't have anything. To be honest, I didn't have a lot of good luck with rare dankness. I popped a lot of rare dankness seeds and run them for a little bit, but never really had any true, true keepers. But uh, I uh, I uh, found water hash through them, the melts, which is Jibs, John Burry. I, he was, I, I thought I seen them pulling the hash up, freezing the puck. And then I didn't see, I didn't realize that they were just using graders like cheese graters which is a microplane cheese grater to grade the hash out real fine and dry it like that i didn't realize that was what microplaning was until i talked to him just over line he's like dude just go buy a thick great microplane cheese grater and grade that puck over thing and then get it as dry and as cold like there was never no set temp to like people always ask me like how'd you air dry when you air dry and i'd be like as cold and as dry as i could get it like and and that was i struggled with that because i never had a room to actually do it i used to do it on cardboard i found bubble man too this is all the time i found bubble man but bubble man actually was really really good to me like bubble man like when he first started his youtube channel he was doing google plus hangouts and i used to jump in there with him because he didn't just throw the link up there and i jump in and talk with all these like fucking legends like it was kind of insane that i just came across talking to bubble man and all his friends and people would jump in like the, the breeders that he's known for years. And I just be like a fly on the wall and jump in here and there, but that's what turned into hash church. That's 
how hash church began and the, i was just all a part of that innovation of well not innovation because people were doing it but like that ever ever it becoming more and more like public of what people were doing to dry their hash properly how thick they were layering it on the thing what they were using to just add the cool bot for the ac it was all just from sitting there listening to these google which turned into hash church i was on a few episodes of hash church in the beginning and uh just i started making full melt hash probably 2012 no 2000, 2000 yeah 2012 i probably made my first like five star full melt hash and it was from that bubblehead strain which i thought i couldn't believe like that i that like now i look at the yield of that it doesn't wash at all it was like one to two percent but that was the first thing i ever got full melt hash like drip like i mean five star and then i got a hold of that hell's og cut or well not hell's og cut i popped my buddy he just started so we ran some seeds in a setup i helped him select them out and we got our cut of purgatory and then we ran it into hash and that's the first time i seen some real 120 micron like full melt six star drip to nothing like so just it blew my mind i dabbed it 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 was just and, and right then and there i was like i have to find the all the flavors of this like try to but i yeah really going from there went through tons of subcool genetics rare dangness just tons of popping seeds for nothing man you, you probably know the struggle of popping seeds for me it's still the thrill of the hunt I still love to pop and uh, hunt through. Still trying to I find that one thing that everybody doesn't have. You know, I, I like to work against the curve. You know, hope's so easy to find when you go anywhere. But if you have that one thing that stands out or is different, everybody wants to hit that shit. <laughs> so that's what I'm on the hunt for, the shit that nobody has still <laughs> so. yeah that's that's what i i did find i mean throughout that time uh just popping seeds with, with i got another buddy popping just like me he ended up having a lot more luck than me because he was he was popping more really is what it came down to you know it's more you pop the more you find you know he had a bunch of phenos going and I helped select some of them out. That's part of where the, the Dr. Who's Kush came from was some phenos my buddy got at, like the, from us popping the seeds. And we just helped select because it's better to have two growers kind of sometimes go at a real like pheno hunt, to be honest. When you get something dialed, if you got a really good buddy that's a, that's a good grower, it's great to have him grow it too to make sure it's not just you or, or not just like, a fluke or something like that that'll eventually be something that you throw away you know the ones that keep going are the ones that even shitty growers can grow good them are the best cuts so what initially made you start washing hash it's uh it's not necessarily the most funnest prod process in uh most don't take it on until they start wanting to like reclaim some of the scraps. Even I didn't do it for the longest time. I was like, I just don't want to waste my time with that shit. 
And then I actually kind of made hash for the first time. And I went, holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. I've been wasting all that shit. So what, did you make what it because was the driving force for it? Did you did you make it because of Subcool's videos? Eh, it had a small influence on there, but no, it was more or less uh, friends smoking hash, introducing me more to a good what they were doing bubble. So, yeah, it was more over the guy who taught me kind of read. Hey man, <laughs> hey man. Look at what you can do. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, that that's what brought me to hash definitely was like, what do I do with this trim? But I realized trim can be bad and good. Like still to this day, I have arguments with hash makers that trim can wash really good hash. Some people really hate on it. I mean, it just depends on the grow, the grower, the handling of it all. Like, do you wet trim? Do you dry trim? it can all be done good i hate these people that hate on people for doing things the way they do them as long as they're killing it i can understand saying something to somebody if 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 what they have is subpar and they could be fixed but if somebody's killing it with the process they're doing and you don't agree with it does not mean it's bad at all like i've wet trimmed so many times i've, I've dry trimmed I the I made hash with dry material. I made hash mainly with fresh frozen. I've always liked fresh frozen just because it's terp preservation, all that. But I I'll make some amazing hash with dry. As, as if if trims like dried really nice, I like it. Like if I was gonna run some dry trim, and I was like before I like I was harvesting, I was like, oh, I'm gonna dry this trim and then I'm gonna try to hash it. You want to get that trim as dry as possible, as fast as possible, like not like you're drying the flour not like the 60 60 you know that a lot of people do to to keep so it's a nice slow dry like flour trim kind of needs to be dried rapidly if, if you're gonna run dry trim as as hash and make it good because you want to you don't want that leafy smell to get into anything you kind of want to get the get it dry dry as possible you don't even have to actually dry it all the way but as long as you have it like in a 40 percent humidity for like three days that's pretty dry enough to wash it freeze that like if this if this is all just if you have to if my choice would be always fresh frozen even if it was trim but make sure the trim is handled like like if if i'm hand, handling fresh frozen dry trim to wash and i want it to wash good and it's my choice on how it goes i'm gonna freeze Every tray, once everybody gets a pile built up like this, I'm throwing that in a bag and freezing it right away. Coldest freezer I can get it. If you can cryo freeze it or whatever you can do to get it cold fast right away. You want to preserve it completely because if it sits at all, especially to trim, this is where trim gets a bad name, is, is people just let it pile up and turn into that nasty stuff that it always is. It's got to be taken care of properly and you can get amazing hash. I've made six star so many times, blew people's minds back before rosin, back before, you know, going to high times cannabis cups here in Michigan, just fucking showing, you know, all the reps. That's how I got all the seeds too back in the day. Cause I show up and be like, check this out. And they'd be like, holy fuck. And they give me seeds to, to run. And it was just how I fucking kind of 
got as far as I got with the genetics that I got learning genetics, talking to these guys. Cause they, they pull me like once they seen full melt hash back then they were like, Holy fuck, this guy knows what he's doing. And they'd pull me behind and take me sit there and take dabs, talk genetics, talk to DJ short for a while, showed him my hash. That was, that was an amazing conversation. Uh, MTG seeds, that guy, amazing conversations with that guy showing him my hash and everything him giving me seeds to pop and all just some crazy times just really from that's why i love hash and then it, hash comes back to the canvas plant and it's given me everything i got i i can't give up on it and i gotta try to do my best with it all the time okay so uh what are some of your favorite cultivars for uh, making hash? Maybe not just the uh, ones you've tried, uh, but uh, other growers as well. Oh, man, that's that's a long list because I like a variety. I've always been a variety type of person. Uh, I've always ended up the ones I grew a lot were a lot of the subcool genetics, which are a lot of the fruitier, some gas here and there. The gasier stuff kind of came from OB Diesel there with Homegrown Natural Wonders. But I just recently in the year acquired the GMO cut, and I loved GMO before that. I I couldn't get enough of GMO, and that GMO cut, the Skunk Master Flex, the breeder cut, if you want to say, I I got it from a good buddy, uh, Trip Scientific Diggity Dank on Instagram uh he's amazing dude amazing person uh he put me on to something that actually i i only washed stuff that washed like four to five percent before that i never had anything dump seven plus percent like that that was insane the first time i run it uh, first time i ran it, it takes gmo is a long flowering plant it's one of the most pain in the ass plants i've ever grown in eight foot ceilings because you it just reaches for the fucking sky. It's it stretches up to week six. It uh, flowers twelve weeks, no problem. It can go fourteen. It's insane. And then the uh, and then the just the the flower is crazy too because it doesn't fill out like big buds like a lot of the stuff I worked with. Always you know giant donk you know donkey dick buds that that I would struggle with molds because they would get so big like even with my room tents dialed i get so such big of buds that they just get bud rot in the center of them that's i struggled with that sometimes but gmo just grows these crazy stretchy like just chunks all the way up at, and all the way down to the bottom of the plant grows and it's i pulled four pounds off a single ended hps with a gmo the gmo because that's the most i've ever yielded under a single ended hps eight foot ceilings was four pounds off that dry but oh sorry, sorry to uh go off the uh that that was probably one of my favorite ones to hash just because it dumped like once you see like the piles like that it's you're like oh my it's it's fun that's when as a hash maker your eyes light up you're as a grower too you're like oh i fucking killed it you're pulling the 160 bag and there's five star melt in this in the 160 bag it's it's kind of insane i, I would say even six star if i didn't because i was doing 15 minute washes at that point because i didn't just you know the first time i ran it i didn't know how good it would do so i just washed the shit out of it and 
just dumped so much. I couldn't believe it. But then I threw more runs. I produced like six star melt up into the 160 bag. It's which crazy, which is giant trichome heads, like like little tiny grapes. You know, that's what I remember. Subcool always talking about the the heads and the like squishing them like grapes. And the bigger the heads and all that. I never achieved. I only achieved 120 with the purgatory full melt six star, but that GMO was the first time I had like some 160 six star full melt, just doing like a four to five minute wash on it, just breaking the heads off and collecting. But, uh, and then for other people that grow, like, I mean, there's so many, uh, grow father with uh smoky the bear there that the that flintstone cake is amazing i just uh or shout out organatron he was just here uh, helping me set up my i just got a low temp i've always ran a sasquatch press but i just got a low temp press now uh, he just showed me uh his tech with that and put me on so thank you organatron on instagram he he really helped me out with uh just so i don't have to sit there and go through the the ropes you know but uh for the the papayas the papayas have been really in the rainbow belts new coast nectar they're puro loco which is a moonbo cross archive uh seed bank always i will shout that i mean they they make hash genetics like if you want to grow hash and you can't get the cuts you can't get the real thing buy archive seeds they are they you will not regret it just i mean there's definitely the cheaper and the more expensive it's worth every penny on their most expensive seeds because it's really true great genetics that hash amazing like amazing like it's kind of like what subcool was known for back in the day too just he grew for the trichome which made good hash Just a little bit of a delay there, trying to get it work around there. So um, that's pretty awesome. So do you prefer to squish your rosin uh, from flour, or do you prefer to uh, squish it from hash? Uh, I always, as a hash maker myself, man, I've, I or a hash consumer, both sides of that fence, I guess. Um, I there's so much work that goes into the quality. Uh, bubble hash that uh, I just tend to like leave it lie there and just kind of smoke some good nice worms in my joints. I, I prefer joints anyway. I'm not much of a dabber. So there's not really a whole lot of incentive for me to take it to, you know, the rosin press. Uh, I'm kind of happy the way it is, but why, what, what, what's your method and why, I guess is the question. Uh, when I, when, you know, when salt, when soil grown solventless, the guy was the guy that squished the first bud and posted it. He uses He used a curling iron too. Uh, his first time I was following him on Instagram and watched him do it. And I, I mean, I used to DM him back in the day before that, just as a grower, he's a, he's a California grower and that all blew up and up with hash church. And uh, so I was squishing flour at first and I mean, that's that, like I was just talking about the trim, like what, like you can actually make good hash with trim. You can squish some pretty good. I mean, if you don't have access to making hash, 
you can make some really good rosin squishing just flour as long as it's freshly, freshly dried, even before the cure. I always say the day before you're putting it in jars is when you want to squish it if you're going to squish flour. Like you want it to be pretty fresh you because it, it darkens and changes over time just like the cure the the it always that's just trichomes curing aging changing terpenes changing terpenes constantly change through heat and exposure to light and tons of other factors that play into that so that all changes into the to the rosin i i mean everybody that all the younger wave of dabbers, especially these people getting into rosin, hitting this rosin wave that's been happening lately. Uh, it's all hash rosin is the best. I mean, that's, it's hash. And people like, I always like to tell people that don't understand like what is the best as like, when it comes to dabbing, like if you're going the solventless route, not the BHO route, it goes, it goes kind of like in an order of like, what's the best flavor experience slash it goes full melt for terp like for terps if you want to try the plant as it is full melt six star full melt is the best then under that's fresh press rosin fresh press rosin is 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 more thc it's got the waxy membrane uh removed it's just the basically the juice is the cannabinoids inside the trichome filtered through a bag out and that's what's going to get you a higher thc level and release all them terps but then there's then when it goes down, it goes down the ladder from there for degradation of terps, not necessarily degradation, manipulation, I should say. It is degradation in a way. There's a big debate and I've always been on the more fresh press side of rosin because fresh press is as close as you're going to get to full melt and full melts the, the best you're going to taste any plant like that you're smelling fresh like when you go up to a fresh growing plant and you smell it that's the, the only way you're going to get that in concentrate form is to fresh freeze it and wa and wash it and try to do a light wash knock off the heads and, and pull them up the night the like if people don't know the best micron is the 90 bag if you're going for full melt the best you're pulling that 90 bag i don't care if it yields up in the 160s Sometimes, I mean, I've some outdoor gets crazy big ass heads and sometimes doesn't yield in the nineties. And I understand that, but most of the time, 95%, I was going to say 90, but 95 plus even percent of the time, the 90 bag is going to produce your best first wash is going to produce your best melt. And, and that is, that's the pinnacle. That's what everybody, everybody wants to achieve as a hash maker. That's what the hash makers head stash is. That's what the custody don't get that you know that 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 is and a lot of people what's crazy now with this rosin wave is people just are so uneducated that you can tell them anything so a buyer beware on any hash that anybody smokes i don't like it's it's something that people can very tell you a lot of things and and it can be completely different and uh, it's not necessarily bad, but it might not be as good as they're saying it is. I try to be as transparent as I possibly can to people and try to educate constantly this, this like tier, like everybody always wants to, you know, people are just finding full melt for the first time when that's been around for 10 years, people have been like, I was making it, you know, and it's, it's kind of 
it's kind of crazy how this rosin wave is hit and how people are finally figuring out like being manipulated into like the everybody likes do you know the difference between like the the consistencies of the rosin at all like cold cure versus fresh press versus heat manipulation or anything like that like the jams and the, the solventless diamonds yeah to to an extent uh you guys are definitely trying new techs all the time but yeah for the most part i, I try to keep up somewhat even though i'm not necessarily squishing but this is one of the things i guess i i lose with the the flower hash thing is you're going after the the oil straight out when you press that's what you're squishing out so and then when you go to wash your hash initially man already losing some to the water you're losing terps to the water water and then uh so being degrading of what you could possibly squish in the end so why not lose you know quit not you know skip the loss and go straight to the flower i don't understand why people so put so much work into taking so much out of it you know what i mean yeah uh that that is very true and that's where different strains like i have i have a few strains the biggest reason why a lot of strains don't wash is because they're so greasy like like do you ever when you're harvesting you know you you have just sometimes stuff that just cakes up a lot on your gloves and stuff like that or sometimes you have stuff that makes your gloves look wet like they're just it's so greasy that you it's like a lotion almost it can it's weird them are the strains that do not wash that that's where water hash can't like it's it's sad there's so many great strains that don't wash and terp profiles there's even specific terp profiles like i have a i have an ethos tester that i got from ethos genetic called little diamond but it, it's this amazing sweet grapey like candy sugar candy taste but it's so greasy that you can literally see when you wash it in the water the heads like turning to oil in the water and just dissolving in the water water that's when the water's acting as a solvent too right there to them trichomes and they're just basically breaking up in the wash and you yield like nothing like one percent and, it, and it's not the turp it doesn't keep the terps the terps just go straight into the water my only combat to that is I've never ran it dry and I've been told to try it dry and it might be a completely different scenario than fresh frozen because it's so greasy. It might need to evaporate off some of the more volatile terps that might be possibly like helping break down the trichome when the terps dissolve because terp, terpene, this is one thing that I also get frustrated about sometimes when pe the people don't understand that terpenes are solvents like i remember tony verzura showing that ter terps were flammable like like because he would separate the terps and they show that they're flammable like they're 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 solvents that's why they use the cleaners and all stuff like that so these people chasing these crazy terp layers or just even fresh frozen like that's where fresh frozen can be kind of a bad thing because high terpenes 
are terrible for the insides of our lungs. Like it just, it, the, it just, you're basically inhaling a solvent. That's why BHO I'm, I don't like diamonds and sauce. I'll say that right away. I'll try, I mean, I'll try some stuff here and there if I haven't tried it or something, but I don't like dabbing it. I had an experience back I think 2015 cannabis cup, 2016 cannabis cup, uh, exotic genetics, Mike, I was kind of commuting with Kate with him running some of that stuff. And, uh, uh, I met him at the cannabis company. He had pure extracted terpenes kind of, I think it was, I don't know if it was the same way that Tony was doing it, but, uh, I, I, he, he took it like every time Tony used, he used a micro dropper. Like a, that was like partial drops, like quarter of a drop to put in like a full gram. Mike sucked up, you know, some in a regular syringe, just like a shit ton and put like three full drops in a gram and just stirred it around like a little terp soup. And then it was like, you ready? And I got down there and fucking ripped the dab in it. And everybody would be like, oh, they'd love to try that. It burned my throat, my mouth, my lungs so bad. I couldn't breathe. And it scared the fuck out of me, really. It just, it was one of the most harshest dabs I've ever taken, even though it wasn't like not flush. Like he makes amazing hash. And definitely the, the terpenes were just solvents. You're basically inhaling solvents. That's why I'm not a big proponent of like diamonds and sauce and pure terpenes and stuff like that. I've never, never really, I, I knew it was fucking my throat up and lungs up when I dab a lot of diamonds and sauce, but I didn't understand it fully until that. And, and it stained my, like every breath I took for the next three hours, every, I was trying to eat food there and all I could taste was the cookies and cream. Cause it was the cookies and cream Turks. Did you ever mess with exotic genetics at all? No, unfortunately, I've been, I would have had a long period there when I was just locked in uh, with TGA there testing, uh, just testing. And uh, so, yeah, I've been kind of narrow minded a little bit over the years, but uh, I haven't run anything from exotic. I can feel you on that. Like I was locked in just like you were with some cool, just trying to get in there, uh, like get, get just testing seeds, buying them, running them. You probably have some fire ones. Like, did you get any of the Chernobyls and stuff like that back there? Did you had like, are you still running any of that stuff? Not really. Well, I ain't running much of anything right now. I'm fixing to tear down and reset up here a little bit closer to, uh, mid-state but I, I was actually the michigan rep here for uh, something cool today from what early 17 on to the passing so i i've got a pretty nice collection of all the gear at least a pack of everything and then all the testers tub cool himself is quoted and saying i've ran more gear than he's ran of this so yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I never had a big setup, so it was a pack at a time for me, you know, and I ran as regular seeds. So just got to fucking wait till they start showing a little bit of mature, like whatever they're going to be. Hopefully you pull out all the males running them. I usually, I was only popping two packs a year throughout a long time. Like 
feel like that was pretty good because it takes a year plus to really make a true selection. It's like people do not read people that don't pop seeds do not understand how long it takes to really do that properly. Cause most of the time you want to run all the phenos. Some I, I like to run all the phenos twice because every grow is different and you can't just think that something like, Oh, that's a shitty one. When you could grow it, grow it again and it kills, it's better than your selection. I've, I've had that happen multiple times. I'm gaving stuff away. And then my buddy ran it and I was like, damn, that was good. And then uh, just, just that's how it goes with popping seeds. It's, it's the thrill of the hunt. Exactly what you said. So uh, I would just kind of want to talk a little bit about, I heard you mentioned about, you know, maybe drying your material a little bit. Uh, I've went back and forth on uh, how I like my material. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I am a big advocate for the fresh frozen. I, it does, in my opinion, make the most more greasier hash. And that's another thing I could tell right off the bat, man. That first pat, that first pull, <laughs> if that bag it damn near needs an alcohol wipe before I, I run it again and do another pull, unquestionably, I could tell when I'm pulling out of the bag that stick that it's going to be that full melt. But not everything has that, that stick to it. But that the full melt always has that, that stick. But um, <laughs> I talked to the well. I talked talk to this this point a lot of a lot of times with a lot of people. Most recently with Turb Wizard, it's amazing why people do things for different reasons, and I guess now really understand why they're doing it, why it works, why they're doing it. Right? Yeah, awesome dude, right there. Uh, I believe he's going to be on Future Campus Project uh, this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, this Saturday. Cheers to Wizard, awesome dude. But we were talking about drying the material a little bit. Back in the day when I did it, uh, I initially started doing it for weight reasons. You know, I'd let that sit out for a day or two and then throw it in the freezer just because it lost so much of its water weight. Now, I talked to Turp Wizard, you know, fast forward 15 years talking to Turp Wizard, and he's describing it more. The reason behind the method for doing it for him was letting those heads ripen up and harden a little bit so they could be most more easily be caught. And I'm like, ah, that makes perfect sense. You know, same process, different reasons, but yeah, I can totally understand that kind of letting them ripen and harden a little bit so you're not losing it as much to process like in uh like letting it dry for a few days like just letting you like you said letting a want a little bit of, like most of that water like at least 60 percent of it come out and then freezing it is what you're talking about absolutely yeah absolutely. yeah I, I I talked to him a little bit about that too because he was I was telling about how I have this little diamond that doesn't wash because it's so greasy 
I think I was talking to him. I can't remember, but still he would, I, I should talk to him more about that because I've never really, I've either ran dry or fresh frozen. I've never done an in-between thing. And I could see if it was handled properly, like I was talking, not beat to shit, not, you know, but letting that oil that just greases up your gloves, basically like all that turp evaporate off. And then you should left with a little bit hardier of a trichome, more raisin like trichome, even though still tons of cannabinoids, tons of whatever, you know, that's going to make it amazing hash and make amazing rosin and not make it probably make it more hardy trichome. I guess if what you're saying, that's part of what curing is like when people ask me about drying flour, like, how do I know? I strictly go off smell when I'm kind of figuring out when, like, cause I've just over a while of smelling a pail, when you open it up, you can smell that moisture kind of with that turf. Once you stop smelling that, that means it's not gaining or, or releasing as much. And that's when I stop even, stop even opening my buckets or my jars so much. Like sometimes I'll leave them sealed. If I, if I got a perfect, you know, if I'll bring it, I'll bring the room to 60 degrees, 50, and then seal them and not sometimes not even open them for months. If, if they're at a perfect point, because they've, that I feel like that trichome like shrinks up kind of like a raisin and be and, and, and gets rid of all the more volatile terps that kind of destroy the trichome because they're solvents. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that they're solvents like that eat away at the trichomes. And that's why the, like the, the saucier stuff, like if you let it sit out, it'll turn brown dark because it's just degrading and degrading and degrading. I had Smokey talk about just having cold cure out in the sun at, at these, some of these, uh, events and he says you'll watch it turn color right in front of you but but the biggest reason why is because it's 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 already in a degradation state with the terps and the sauce around it but then you're having heat light exposure and all this it's just like a rapid version of that that's that's where drying cured every time i've ran dried cured material it's came out some of the most like stable fresh press that you'll ever get that if it's set in 60 to 65 it'll stay fresh press sometimes for like a week or it'll butter up and like get super saucy like that's where i like the sauciness like what's what's been frustrating me too is sometimes i think about that actually when i see people use heat tech on cold here to make it saucy that's what a lot of looking cold cure is is people heating that jar up to about 100 to 120 degrees till it starts to sweat kind of and what that's doing is manipulating them terpenes just like in the curing process and making them more actually change into completely different terpenes like terpene one terpene can turn to another terpene just from heat and light exposure and a lot of that and that's kind of what cure well let not you want to keep light away when you're curing but everybody knows that dark is better you do not want light exposure but you want to like during that curing process, you want the reason why you're closing off that jar to almost because like everybody knows you can't just let weed cure on the on the rack or hanging. You've got to open and close the jar. What you're doing is letting it gain that moisture back, even out its moisture and then releasing it more. It's almost bringing it out to the side instead of staying deep down in the bud. I, it, I think it's bringing it more out and almost like a, conditioning all them trichomes like as it's doing this process 
And that's what's making your bud will make your bud last a long time with a proper cures. I don't, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Do you agree? I've never been a long-term cure kind of guy myself. Uh, it just goes too quickly. And the way Michigan laws are being the caregiver here, it's it's just not worth holding on anything for too long. Uh, basically, I run a perpetual. I take down enough each month and then some for the patients and then kind of keep things moving along perpetually. That way, I'm not worried, basically, about holding on to numbers again from, you know, ready yeah. and usable numbers it just makes it easy to stay in the system like that so curing that's a that's on the patient's end <laughs> i'll give it to you ready for a long-term cure at that point you can either use it or cure it to your likings uh other than that i'm moving on <laughs> yeah I under I understand that completely too. I I've done the perpetual and the full flips. The only times I had a problem with perpetual is like anytime back when I didn't have anything everything dialed and I didn't know the things I know now is when I'd have pest issues or powdery mildew. If I was running perpetual, I could get rid of it. I could never get rid of a problem. I could never isolate things the way I wanted to. So I just started doing full flips of whole rooms, you know trying to keep my numbers down to that's that's always been a problem just with clones like that's the one thing about the laws here in michigan is like anything with roots is a plant so, which is bullshit i mean they should at least be in a pot i feel like but we gotta mess with numbers even on rooted clones and shit like that so it's just it's it's always been that struggle i think for everybody probably but uh uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. But it's a, oh shit, just full flips versus perpetual is what I was kind of going on there. Full flips, I could clean the whole room out. If I had a bug issue, I could isolate certain plants. I could get it down to just the single single one of each genetic. I always used organic sprays and stuff like that, but I would use like spinosad and shit like that to get rid of any thrips, spider mites. And then I just recently, uh, I never really had a problem with powdery mildew. Uh, you're in the Huron forest. That's, that's in the UP. No, that's not, that's no, uh, where is it? No, I am just South of Grayling. Just kind of in between Grayling, Bolton Lake. North of, uh, Thank you, Did I lose you? My froze. He froze. Cheers, Amp Knight. Are you there? Funny story, dude. Cheers, Stone. I don't know if it's me or the hemp night. Hemp night. Please Back. confirm somebody. Are you there? Yep, I can hear you. All right. I can't see you, but I can hear you. 
about to take a dab anyways this flintstone cake this is the grow father cut uh it's amazing like we uh squished we squished 63 grams and got 53 grams earlier which was like an 80 percent return on hash to rosin and then he says this cut uh returns five plus all day Definitely enjoy some dabs myself. I go through phases. But another thing I can say about like the not doing the long-term cure thing in my in my defense, I guess, is uh again the testing thing is got one one good part of it. Uh you know, I just don't have that time for a long-term cure before I've turned in my report. A, <laughs> B, most times, uh, most breeders are wanting those results, pictures, results, reports, as soon as they can get them. And I've always been on that on the side of you kind of touched on earlier. It takes multiple cycles, brother, for you to get your results. Uh, it has to become up one all oh, natural unmanipulated the first time to see what I get. And uh, secondly, it's got to run at least one more time to let it mature a little further because the terpene profiles will change a little bit. And as far as like I in my mind, again, other than like the perpetual side of things, uh, I kind of feel like it's trying to turn it into something that is not you know what i mean if i have to throw it in a, in a jar and age it for you know six six months whatever to turn it into that final product well i don't know if that's it it should be a good representation of itself you know in the smokable ready form right off the bat it shouldn't have to i i honestly call it more than a uh, a cute long-term cure i kind of think of it as a, a gym bag effect you know it's all the subtleties the one by one you know kind of coming off blending together and then soaking back into the material you know what i mean it's instead of i think as in a fresher mode you be you can kind of taste those those tones more subtly you know, up front, not more or less mixed together and mashed together for a final product. So it's, that's a few reasons for my madness about, you know, not wanting to take it for that longer cure. I can appreciate it. It definitely, you know, becomes something a little nicer and a little smoother in time. But eh, time's precious. <laughs> time, room, all that is precious, you know. Uh, yeah just i can i completely understand i i would say i agree too i don't i mean i'll always smoke a good cured flower as long as it's good and clean you know i i i'll always smoke a good cured flower but if i'm gonna smoke some flour i want it damn near right after it's been in a jar for like a day you know if it's i'll smoke it right off the rack or right off the up the line or whatever just just to get that fresh turf and that's why i've always been to fresh frozen that's what like that's that's the debate versus dry cured material 
and versus fresh frozen is they the the dry cured can have a very smooth subtle taste can even give you a consistency that people look for the the wet terpy look can come from dry cure material a lot but the fresh frozen is where you're gonna get the best flavors everything i don't every hash baker is going to tell you like, Oh, if you want more terps, it's fresh frozen. If you want a smoother thing, like and if they're, if they ran both, a lot of people just run fresh frozen. Now, like there's hash makers out there that have never touched dry material. They've never ran dry nugs or dry trim. There's that's, that's what's crazy is I hate these guys like flexing all. We only run, you know, whole plant nugs and trim nugs and stuff like that, because it doesn't matter as long as it's treated, grown, done properly. Like, yes, if you like, okay, if you ran the trim from a run, that was amazing. And you ran the flower, the flower is going to be better trichomes. They're going to have a thinner membrane. They're going to probably have more THC, possibly more terpene, stuff like that. Yes, it will make a higher product, but just because the trim is the trim, as long as it was treated properly, will always be be amazing i could i could fool anybody if i did the washes properly i would just wash lighter with the trim if i was going to do full melts for both i just want do lighter washes with the trim to get the more volatile easier knockoff trichomes the bud you could beat the shit out of more and still probably get a really good fucking trichome and, and thing you'll just get more and and a lot more of them better quality heads because they're more protected up in that bud more instead of just like being beamed on by that light and just the but the trichome on the flower like inside the flower is always going to be there's gonna be a lot more of them better better heads than the ones on the trim just sitting there out on the light absorbing light what they do because they're the leaves you know so that they're like a hardier trichome technically like if you want a more i don't know i'd like i'd like to do that experiment to see like if trim trichomes are more hardier than bud trichomes, I'd like to see that experience experiment, like to see how state stability wise, like, and even in the rosin stability wise, like seeing a fresh press, how fast it butters a lot. A lot of people don't um, just to go on another quick little rant. A lot of people don't understand that buttering is just the separation of THCA and terpenes. That's why when rosin goes from its shattered fresh press form, that's usually into the, into the buttering, it starts to, that's when it starts to smell is because it's separating from the THCA, THCA and, and releasing into the air. And that's why when it starts to butter, they whip it to just mix them terps back in there and not let them just evaporate out into the air and not be in your lungs. And, and a lot of people don't realize that terpenes are what makes different kinds, different kinds and different highs. Like it's just the terpenes. THCA is going to always be a THCA. CBD is going to be always CBD. It's always going to be, if they're purest forms, they give you the same high, no matter where they're extracted. I have a lot of people ask me all the time about like THCA, the mechanical separation, the diamonds and stuff like that you can make amazing diamonds from fourth wash full spec and, and, and show them to people and they wouldn't know the difference between first wash. And then it's THCA is THCA, no matter where it's from, what it's got at its rawest form, it will never, it's the terpenes that modulate your high. It's a, they used to call it like an ensemble effect or something like that. 
I don't know if you agree with all that. <laughs> oh, I, I I do. I'm a big believer in that. And that's again one of my and and again I'm not I'm knocking on anybody's process or anything. I just think again there's so much of that entourage effect loss through so much of what you're telling me to get that Ross. You know, as we talk about it again, I'm not, I don't I don't even smoke rosin. So <laughs> so once in a while, you know what I mean? I'm just not gonna take my stuff, my time into doing it. But if you've got it out smoking, let's say that, you know what I mean? Uh, but so I agree with so much what you're saying, 100 percent And what I'm about to say is just my opinion, my opinion only. Okay. Uh so you're right. Terpenes have a huge part of the program there, and they're so easily lost. They're very volatile, and they will evaporate very quickly. So I've kind of always disagreed with a lot of the price, even the microplaning thing that a lot of people do. I understand about the drying, the need to get it dry, okay, through the microplaning process but again what are you doing you're breaking up all those trichome heads releasing a lot in, into the air you're losing a lot of what we're again kind of agreeing on that is medicine there into the air so we've washed it we've broken them up <laughs> you know what i mean we've already lost 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 and then you know, one final process of filterization again. But see, I, and again, I'm, I've always kind of, and I, I don't even know if the freeze dryer fixes that as well because you've got that gentle breeze of air kind of, again, kind of taking away, you know what I mean? Another, another loss to the freeze dryer. I've always kind of liked myself, this is my smaller patties, and just in in the freezer, basically in the spoon, you know, spoon size, taking them to the freezer, letting them sweat out. Because as you freeze them, you will definitely see that water freeze out. Then pulling them out, let, let letting that water evaporate. You know, flip flip back to the freezer, forcing that moisture back out again, and then repeating the process until I've got, you know, basically an oil left and then doing storing it or doing what I want with it at that point, you know, taking it more to a final dry or whatever you want to do with it from there. But, uh, you know, it's just, it, to me, it's still of a medicine. You know what I mean? I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep as much as possible. Those fats, those lipids, those flavonoids all still there. I don't like the, you know, uh, I appreciate the rosin, but I, I just think there's a lot of loss there. I fu as a mess. I fully get what you're saying. the The one thing about the the freeze dryer that really changed the game. I that that's where Hash Church came in clutch right there because Archive Seed Banks Fletch from Archive. He was on there just back in the day. But just like you were saying, when microplaning people, you're shredding the heads. You're fucking shit up. Like you're. I mean, I shredded heads. I shredded my fingers into the hash at times. It was like going to town on a brick and you're not paying attention. 
and you're definitely fucking the hash up with the microplane for sure and that's where the sieve came that's where sieve versus microplane like through and run it through a sieve and pushing it through but still greasy hash will just smear across that it's hard bitch you gotta freeze it knock it off and it, it that's all definitely beating the shit out of the hash but the the one thing about the freeze dryer is it's it, there's really not much like it's because it's negative 40 in there it's 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 literally like a space atmosphere space like atmosphere space is way colder than four negative 40 but one thing about the the freeze dryer is how cold it is so it's it's keeping it at uh freeze drying is just sublimation which is going from a solid to a gas and freeze drying lifelization lifelization i hope i said that right they is just basically putting it as cold i think it's below i can't remember exactly what temperature below you need to get it below but i know the my harvest rate runs at negative 40 and then it puts a vacuum on it so that's when it goes into the vacuum that's where it goes from a solid to a gas but you need they the each tray is is into they're heated so the hash needs to be as even on there so it can sit on them heating elements which i i have it everybody runs different temps the average temps like 30 degrees shelf temp which is still below freezing but in a vacuum that's actually kind of above i don't know you know it's it's hotter in a vacuum so uh i run 30 25 to 30 degrees shelf temp depending and that helps the molecules. I th This is just from what I understand about freeze drying is it helps the molecules and the water molecules in the hash and or whatever you're freeze drying vibrate out of the hash. That's all that heated shelf temps doing, but it's so low that it's like you're that it in a freeze dryer is kind of what you're doing. Cause a, a, a freezer like has a vacuum on it when it's so cold, right? Like it's almost like a vacuum in there, right? And that's that's why you've seen like the the i've seen hash dry just sitting in a freezer so i always wonder if that's kind of how they figured out that like a little bit and then even people going into space once you sit something in space I, I i think they figured out freeze drying because they lost something in space and then got it back and they were like holy shit this thing is fucking like has zero moisture and because that's what it would do to to whatever if you put it in space because NASA was the ones to kind of come up with the technology that Harvest Right and any freeze dryers using was just it's all from NASA. And that, but that that's where the freeze dryer is is giving it more of what you are trying to achieve with your process that you're doing. You were almost doing kind of like a freeze drying process by getting it super duper cold and getting in and having in a vacuum to pull that moisture out. The only thing you needed was a stronger vacuum and a little bit of heat on the bottom of that, not above freezing, but enough to make the molecules vibrate out of a thick patty. I used to put my material into my freeze dryer really thick, like an inch plus thick, thick something. Well, a half inch, at least thick. And I was having to freeze dry for like, I was having to run my freeze dryer sometimes for a, uh, for a 30 hour final dry which is like 72 hours total and then i uh i finally just do what everybody else does and was i was pulling the hash out just like i used to and and putting it onto a, a paper towel like with a screen and then putting that in the freeze dryer as that as a solid puck like you do when you're microplaning or kind of how you were doing too but now 
you kind of want to keep more moisture in it so the the heads are more spread out inside the water so the water can get out of the hash more and you want to get it as thin as you possibly can on that that thing and i've been freeze drying with an eight hour final i went from a 30 hour final dry to eight hours final dry when you get it perfectly right and and when you get down to the eight hour final dry on on really good hash it's that there's very minimal terpene loss because as long as you as long as your room's cold that you're hashing in you're putting it in the freeze dryer right away and everything's staying super cold that's what's up the level of the terpene layers on a lot of people's hash like that's why we're getting this crazy terpene hash is because of that like being able to the freeze dryer like i think it's the freeze dryer some people will completely disagree with that but i think that's just the what well that like i was saying on hash church with fletch from archive he i remember back until 2015 like right when rosin was just hitting him sifting through a full jar of pure heads unmanipulated heads because when it comes out of the freeze dryer it's still that puck of them perfectly unmanipulated heads just still like that and i and you drop that through a sieve and it just goes and and it's just like pure heads like it's just the greatest look for a hash maker when you when you for the first time you you make some full melt hash and you drop that from out of the freeze dryer right through your sieve and see that it's i always joke around and tell people that if somebody didn't know what i was doing and came in and see this they 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 wouldn't think it's weed they'd think it was real drugs I can see that, to be honest with you. I, I Just as uh, bubble hash, I've had as of late to, had to explain the process to people just by busting out a you know nice chunk of hash and passing it around. At a 4th of July party, everybody kind of looked like I was passing around fucking opium or some shit. I'm like, no, that's, that's hash. You know how you... Do you understand how that's made? I actually had to like walk them through, you know, the water ash, uh, water method, and uh, just kind of settle, ease their mind out of what they were smoking there. I thought, man, really, this day and age, you know, this is okay. Yeah, uh, a lot of people that don't know anything about hash, the people that are smoking rosin now and We've been doing these uh, swap meat Hareem cups. Shout out Cornfed Dread. Uh, he uh, puts on these uh, things for the community. They've been amazing for the saltless community. Can't thank him enough to. But uh, they, they, I have these new people that have never experienced rosin coming up to me and not knowing anything about like even that it's water hash made into rosin. Because when they look it up online, they see pressed flour. So they're thinking that this amazing hash that we create is is pressed from flour. So you have to explain to them that it's water hash. And then they're like, water hash? You're putting the weed in water? I'm like, yeah, that's that's bubble. You ever heard of, and then you say bubble hash. And they're like, oh, bubble hash. And they, they get so confused. They're just like, oh, what is the difference between bubble hash and water hash? And I'm like, it's the same thing. It's just, it's all 
one thing. And, you know, and then I have to go, I always tell them the bubble man story. The only reason why it's called bubble hash is because of bubble bags and bubble bags were made by bubble man. And that's, that's, he was one of the innovators of hash before him. There was isolator bags, isolator bags was a two bag kit. And it was like a 220 and a 160 or so. I can't even remember, but it made hash or maybe it was like a 220 and a 45 or something, but it was a two bag kit. I know that I never used them, but uh, they, they made hash. Like they made your basic, basic hash, you know, filter out most, like it, it was probably still 60 plus percent contaminant, but still the first hash the people smoked the black balls of hash stuff like that that was made with isolator bags all the and then bubble man experimented with the different size microns and he his old story you can go on his youtube channel and he's got he talks about it a hundred times or go back in hash church and uh the reason why the 73 bag is a 73 bag is because bubble man was born in 1973 he couldn't make up his mind on what much between like the 70 and the 75 like was the bet was better micron so he just went with the 73 because that's when he was born a lot of people don't know that i that's the first time i've heard of it myself but you learn something new every day yeah he if it wasn't for him like just putting more bags experiment 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 I don't know. I can't remember if he was the one to figure out the 90 bag. I'm pretty sure he was. I can't remember that exact story, but the 73 was the bag that created the full melt. I mean, I've created tons of five-star quality full melt and then six-star even in the 73 a bunch of times. But when they introduced that 90 bag, it was it's in between the 120 and the 73 and just kept, for some reason, that micron size of trichome head is like the perfect trichome head that has the thinnest membrane around the south side, the most juice. It's usually, I'm, I'm, the only thing I can guess is it's like a maturity factor when people are pulling their plants at proper times, that size micron head is just the best size. They, it, it's most strains that you run, if you pull that 90, it's that six star. That's when six star was born, the real six star. You, you, as I talk about the star, this whole star rating system, you know about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure that, that to explain, to just to like the old school hash, that's your one and two star. Anything that melts is like your three star. And then four star was like some of the first dabbable hash. That was what people were putting in the three hole pipes and using the thing and it melts and nothing for them. And then five star was the first time you could dab it on a nail and that would char up on a nail. But then people like the 90 really started coming along and people started growing better weed, better practices, better genetics, more isolated genetics. Actually, I shouldn't. That's okay. Since you're a breeder or I mean, uh, been popping seeds a long time. What's your opinion on these? like these hash strains or these fancy straight, like I don't want to call them fancy, but these like the exotics that people tell and how weak they are in, as genetics. Like. Uh, do you want, I don't know. You want to open up that can of worms then at night? Um, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said there about uh, 
the older strains, the lower THC strains. Uh, that's what we're talking about, the entourage effect. Those strains are definitely pushing more of the terpene, higher terpene profiles. They're the higher fats, lipids, you know, flavonoids. There's more medicine, flat out more medicine in the lower THC, more exotic type cannabis, I feel. I think as we breed up for the THC, we're losing a lot, a lot of the medicine and uh, terpene profile as well. So, you know, we're breeding for the up for the wrong reasons, I think, and losing more and more of the medicine. Yeah, I would completely agree with that, even on, even on these strains that people like, because there's just like Oni seeds, uh, even archives definitely there with the rainbow belts and stuff like that. These ones that are breeding towards certain terpenes, you could say like, that's where what's crazy. And these, these younger guys and this new, new stuff, they, they don't understand that them old ones had more of a terpene, just like you're saying, had more of a variety of terpenes instead of isolated to a single like group of terpenes, like the papayas and stuff. They're amazing. They're the Skittles but they're so weak genetics. It's, it's insane. The GMO that I run, it's, it's thrown nanners. It's, it grows like the most hell of a plant to grow. That's just weak ass genetics that are buried deep down inside of it with really good genetics. I ain't saying GMO is a weak genetic, but it has really the Girl Scout cookies genetic. First time I ever ran forum cut Girl Scout cookies. I got the seeded half my room. I, these, really hybridized high thc like you're saying single like flavor isolated terpene strains are so weak genetics so unstable herm genetics people just taking a cut spraying silver colloidal on it crossing this with that and making these genetics that are so weak and and, and it's what's sad is i'm kind of scared for the future because I, I hear it all the time from people popping seeds that don't like you used to be able to take old school genetics, like a lot of the subcool genetics and stuff like that. Some of them, they got definitely bad names for herming and stuff like that. But the ones that were really good, that's why I liked homegrown natural wonders specifically, because you could throw them in a light leaking bullshit ass room that is still, I mean, you're maintaining humidity and stuff, but if you got all these problems that could cause hermying and they wouldn't, that you could beat the shit out of them and they'd still produce really amazing flower extracts too definitely they definitely Odie and Mushmop are uh, definitely still killing it over there with their genetics for sure and it's nice that they still carry on uh, Dr. Who line that, that they started with TGA it's nice I to would... see that some of them are still out there kicking I would love to show him again the the I did show him the who's Kush the Doctor Who's Kush cut that I have the quantum to the Doctor Who, and he loved it. I gave him some bud and he gave me a pack of uh, quantum. I still have a five pack of quantum seeds I haven't popped that I've been holding on to. Definitely, them are definitely fire genetics, especially as far as hash making goes. So we got a couple of winners there for sure. The quantum cut I have 
uh, washes six to seven percent too, just like the GMO. And that's actually some really good genetics. The sweet Irish Kush, the Time Wreck, that Time Wreck male made so many amazing genetics. It sure did. It sure did. Um, so, I guess what has been one of your best yielders as far as strains? Uh, so far, uh, for hash or flour, well, I guess both. Uh, because a lot, what's I've had stuff that yields really good hash but doesn't yield really good flour, but I've had stuff that does, but GMO does both. I, I've like I said, I pulled four pounds dry and I still had a little wash that I did off of it too. I had four pounds dry off a single ended HPS with the GMO skunk master flex cut, but like I said, you can have nanners. You could have a lot of things. I haven't really seen it. I've seen a few like seeds that were, cause it throws nanners late. So the seeds that it develops are premature. So that's where I've seen the seeds come from that, that were premature. You'd think, but the plants 12 weeks along, there's no way it should have, should have premature seeds at 12 weeks, but it's because it throws nanners at week six, a couple, and you'll have a few of them little premature seeds. Uh, but when it comes to flour, I mean, I've pulled three pounds of light with the Doctor Who's Kush, the, a lot of subcool stuff that, that grew nice buds. Uh, the, the Quantum Kush, definitely done that. Quantum Kush, like I said, yields good bud and hash, just like the GMO. But it's a stable genetic. It's amazing, too. It's, it comes out a little bit more of an orange hash, amberish, depending on how late you take it. It likes to go 12 weeks or 10 weeks, I should say. I have taken it 12 weeks, but uh, it's a darker hash. It's a potent hash. It's more gassier when you take it that long. It's sweeter when you take the quantum kush you cut that I run. It's sweeter the earlier you take it. It's gassier the longer you take it. And, and the nodes, like for the flower, the nodes really start to fatten up in the later weeks. You know, the, the calyxes start to swell. Do you, you said you run a quantum Kush cut or you have one yourself? I no, I don't. I have quantum seeds still, but I'm not running it currently. Definitely a fire strain. So I kind of want to ask you about uh, your drying. We, you know, we've talked about, you know, how you dry your material for hash, but uh, how do you, how do you prefer to dry your flour? uh that that i just had a good i was talking with organitron a lot about that today because a lot of people hate on a lot of people's methods of drying like i think you can dry flour like just hanging it and then dry trimming it and making it amazing i feel like sometimes it makes a better looking like if, if i was producing flour only and I wasn't like trying to cut half the plant into hash or something like that. I always hang dry because it produces a better looking flower, but I have wet trimmed. And then I run, if I wet trim, I run as cold a room as I can get, but not like a hash room, like 55 to 60 degrees cold. Like that's what I like to keep. I like to keep it like 55 and then I'll run like 50% humidity for the first few days. 
get that initial moisture out of there so no molds or any weird things happen and then i'll hang them on the rack and people will talk about flat spots but i don't i mean i grow big donkey dick buds but i don't keep them if i'm wet trimming i break that down i don't like i've had i i and then that's another factor that's came into the way i dry too i've hung dry giant buds and they molded hanging because they were so big they were dying and and i've lost like a ton like a lot more than i want not a ton but a lot more than i wanted to because it molded hanging so i don't i will wet like i will hang lowers and wet trim the tops if they're too big and put them on racks just because I don't want them to mold. So that that's, it all comes down to how, what you want, what you're working with, what kind of drying room you have. Is it dialed? I always tell people to dry as cold as they possibly can get it, but not like if they, if they have a cold bot, then they can get it super cold, but like 60 degrees is what you really want. A lot of people believe in the 60, 60 thing. I don't like 60, maybe 60% humidity as it starts to get drier, but I've had, I've had it be that. I feel like in cold temps, 60% is a little too high for humidity. I'd say 50 to 55, but you can dry too fast. Also that thing. So it's all this game of just trial and error until you figure it out. And I've done it so many times, whatever factors I play into, I can, I can try to figure out to dry it the best as possible. But if it was a set in stone way, if I was running a rec facility and we were growing consistent flour and, and then whole plant washing everything, I would hang dry anything that didn't mold and I'd break everything down that would mold and still probably try to hang dry it as much as possible. And then I'd fresh frozen whole plant everything for hash if I was that's that's just kind of the state because you'd have better looking flower, like a little bit better. You, the only the trained eye can really tell, you know, I could, I could fool people all day with hung dry versus wet trim on a rack and the flat spots. That's, I mean, I've seen flat spots. I've not seen flat spots. I think if you're breaking the material down properly and making it look good, you shouldn't be having giant buds that have flat spots. I don't know. I, uh, that's just my opinion what's what do you think what's your do you like to hang or are you wet trimmer uh, again careful what you're opening yourself up for uh <laughs> again i like to just say the uh, my methodology my madness uh may not fit anybody else's or you may may not agree with that's okay as we've kind of talked about you know to each their own um time has taught me a lot over the years to be honest with you i really think that mike mark emory said it kind of right i disbelieve it when i heard him say it when he first got out of jail the way we determine these days is kind of we've we've made ourselves a market by the way we trim okay uh i definitely i like to trim wet to be honest with you i use a dryer and to each their own okay what i've what i've found out with in cannabis the drying methods is a lot I've, I've changed my methodology on it a few different ways over the years i used to hang dry just because it was easier then i started making my hash i started trimming it wet and then using the racks 
After that, I actually kind of went to trimming wet, leaving it more on the stick and hanging it on coat hangers with clothespins. That kind of nice, nice method worked well. And then I got uh, a dryer, to be honest with you. And I wanted to hate that dryer when I got it, to be honest with you. But I tried it and it worked well. And what I learned about in that phase was it, it all kind of goes back to something you said earlier is how fast you can dry it for preservation. Is that's what I found out. Because earlier on, we used, I used to think the mentality, oh yeah, that quick dry will make, make it smell like, hey, well, maybe, maybe not. It depends on your environment, but it never didn't turn out like that. It was more like the freeze dryer method. You know, it quickly got that moisture out and it was more of a, a fresh tasting uh, preserved bud, okay? Kind of like we talked about earlier on. This is the same, I just realized that that's why I kind of, I fucking, aha, I had an aha there. Uh, it's the same thing that we were talked about earlier on. With the fresh dryer method, I think the subtleties in the individual terpene profiles come out, okay? And with a, a fresh trim, fresh trimmed dried bud, okay? Now, phase two, this is what organics has taught me. There is some benefits to a longer dry. Unbeknownst to anything that I ever thought before, what was going on in the plant. I don't think it's necessarily the environment or the temperature that has something to do with it only because it slows things down. But what I've come to realize as I understand the plant and I try to understand it more as a living organism is throughout that, if you're hanging a whole plant, leaving as much matter on there as possible, and that's dictating to your room environment. Sometimes, you know, you have to fucking, if, if it's summertime, you're fighting humidity, you wanna, you wanna bundle some of that leaf off there to get some of the moisture out of the room away from the plant. But that aside, I think what's going on in that plant in the longer cure is a cure type drying method. So A, it's more of a, quicker preservation for fresh individual turps. B, it's more of a more of a curing method in that I think that there's still moisture in the plant. The plant is still kind of fighting, kicking until every last bit of moisture is out of there. So as a defense mode, I think it is kind of going through some individual changes as it goes out into the longer cure. It does give them terpenes a little bit more time to bind and rest back into the fibers of the material. But I think it's more of a like a dying out process, as I say, you know, the plant's still kind of kicking, you know, until that last bit of moisture is alive. You know what I mean? Till that last bit of moisture out there that plant's still alive and kicking and trying every bit of the defenses to to survive through producing terpene profiles or whatever so i think there is a little bit of something if you're looking more towards 
a more cured pro product that long-term cure may suit you or dry may suit you. But if you're looking more on a connoisseur end, I think, then you're wanting to, oh, I can taste this out of it. You know, I could taste that out of it. I think you want it more of a fresh, you know what I mean? Uh, a wet yeah. trim, quicker dry. That's, so that's my, 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 my thought process on the, on the two. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, that's, I, people hate on wet, tr wet trimming and I hate it. I hate that they don't understand it can be done good both ways. I've like, I, for, I always wet trimmed up until I found dry trimming seen people do that and seen some really good bud didn't and then i tried it i always wet trimmed mainly for making hash like especially like in the beginning of it all we were just using our trim and to get fresh frozen you got a wet trim and then everybody started incorporating more and more bud and then whole plant and that's kind of where that whole thing felt like snowballed but uh i completely agree with you again we were talking about like the the curing may make a hardier bud will produce more it's going to be a different terpene the terpenes change like i was saying with heat light they literally will change from one terpene to another uh moisture content one thing i've noticed from like hash or bud that's had a lot of moisture in it like that never gone away that degraded the trichome a lot before it got out it was always had like a minty taste and that always confused me like this, like almost like slightly minty taste. And then Tony Verzuras was talking about how a lot of terpenes change into that. Like, I can't remember what the terpene is, but they change as it degrades from water, specifically moisture will change a lot of terpenes into like almost a, like a menthol like, taste and that's where you get that minty taste from like outdoor that's that outdoor taste to me i think it tastes kind of minty like the some outdoor that hasn't been dried properly or was beat to shit or something like that it's always got like a minty taste to me and that that's from moisture i guess from a pro improper cure stuff like that uh a lot of old school hash the, the dark ball hash always had like this like mint like taste which doesn't mean it's bad it doesn't mean anything bad it just means that something has manipulated something into something else let me ask you about another subject that i guess has a couple sides of the coin or different sides to the box there um is when to pull you know as a hash artist as uh when do you that like to is, harvest your cannabis uh <laughs> that is that's gonna get me like i don't ever want to call anybody out i want to ever talk shit i mean even when we're on talking shit with eagle i i will talk a little bit of shit hash makers like to pull early because of color that makes a lighter color product buyers need to understand that that color does not mean anything dark dark hash yes i mean it's definitely some degradations have doesn't even mean it's necessarily even bad like i keep saying that does not mean it's bad doesn't mean it's going to kill you or hurt you or give you a shitty high or anything like that tropicana cookies always a dark rosin because it's purple purple strains produce dark rosin 
you take a strain super long, it produces a darker rosin. When I took GMO 13 and a half weeks, it was definitely a darker rosin than when I pulled it at 10 weeks. It's when you pull it at 10 weeks, it's a super light rosin. Like, I feel like that's too early. I pulled, did that one time and I won't ever do it again, just because it it's, it's a super light color rosin that can impress a lot of people by the color, but the potency, the terpenes, that fucking crazy garlic smell is not even close to there that it like, it's so stank once it gets past 11 weeks, then you'll, then now you're smelling GMO. Sometimes actually GMO doesn't even stink that much until like week seven, eight, then you start smelling that GMO smell in the buds. You'll kind of smell it. Like I remember when I first started growing it, I couldn't smell that smell that I've smelled on GMO. GMO is such a fucking garlic, weird, oniony. I didn't smell it for like week four, week five, week six. No garlic smell, no garlic smell. And then week seven, okay, now I'm smelling a little bit. And then just as it came on, boom, boom, the weeks went on. It just got more raunchy and more raunchy. And then all of a sudden I'm opening my door in my grow room and all I can fucking smell is garlic and onions and like it's it's and when it used to be the quantum stinking up everything i can it's now it's the gmo it's it's fucking taking things long you that's where people you gotta figure it out you gotta try you can't just fucking have somebody tell you oh pull this at fucking 60 days and it's gonna be perfect everybody's grows different you could run your lights actually only like 11 hours and like pull the daylight hours back and you, that'll mature your plants along farther. If you're trying to achieve that. And I, I've actually just recently started doing that with GMO. I think I can get a 13 week terp out of it by giving it on that 12th week, only 11 hours a daytime, because I feel like it just forces it along a little more, whatever that process is in the plant, knowing that it's coming to the end. But that's a way you can take a 13, 14 week and bring it down to 12 weeks and get that same raunchy, raunchy smell. I just recently, uh, Diggity Dank put me onto that. He's got a buddy that only runs 11 hours from day one of flower. And he says he flowers 10 week flowers in eight weeks, but I don't know. Hash makers I, like to pull early. Sorry. <laughs> I, you, I agree 100%. 100 percent on that issue right there they do like to pull early just for that color um i'm glad you pointed that out to be honest uh, for me i like i think uh jen doe kind of said it best the other day when i talked with her especially when it even she's a hash maker you know what i mean even she was said you know i guess it's intent is am i making more of a medicine am i making it more for somebody that wants it further down the line more of a sedative medicine or you know rich in you know cbn and all that good stuff just want to sleep yeah i might want to let it go further you know might you know it's all what i want it, what the intent is i'm making it for and i i definitely appreciated that I, I definitely think a lot of people these days do pull a little bit earlier. I think they try to chemically uh, push the plant, to be honest with you, to make things harden up quicker when they should be next, actually letting the, the flower just go a little bit longer. So, yeah, I, I, definitely, I, I definitely agree with what you said. As far as the light cycle 
Man, I'm really starting to question our cannabis lady. With you. I've been listening to a gentleman, uh, Joe Petty. I uh, might be saying his name wrong, but uh, very uh, old school gentleman, one of the older cannabis scene people. Uh, been listening to Skunk Fam podcast. He's had a lot of uh, with him on there. And talk about photo periodism. And I, I I'm kind of thought a lot of what he's saying to be true for a long time, but you always go by with what you're 12, told, you know, the 1860, 12, 12, you know, as he pointed out, you know, the longest time you get in, in the nature situation, the longest day is 16 fucking hours. And at that, it's only for a few minutes. You know what I mean? So, it wouldn't necessarily why push your plants that long. And, and even at that, you pick up any pack of seeds, most basic botany, you know, kind of rule of thumb. Plants only need six, eight hours tops. And then they're kind of shutting down and going into defense mode, you know, even not even using as much CO2 and stuff. So what he's kind of talking about is more of like a, a six to eight hour flowering time or cycle, light cycle, only six to eight hours on. He's saying you, you know, twice, twice the plant matter and speed it up, kind of like as you're insinuating just by pulling it down to 11. He's saying you can do the same thing and retreat. More, more harvest, quicker results is what he's saying. Like, honestly, just going by more of a photo period rule of thumb. So I'm 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 thinking I'm gonna try it. I get set back up. I may dial it back down to maybe a 10 or eight hour flowering cycle just to see what the fun. I mean it makes perfect it, sense in my opinion. That does make a lot of sense. I I diggity I was just talking with him when we were chilling in the grocery store about how GMO takes forever. And uh, I was, he's, he's like, yeah, you could just dial your lights back. That's what I do. And I was like, Oh, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I got a buddy that I think he was saying even goes back to 10 hours at the, towards the end though. He doesn't, he starts off at 12 about week six starts down back and week by week goes down like 30 minutes or so. Uh, and he makes flower. He he tries to crank like six harvests out a year, eight week flowering on plants that take ten plus even, and uh, he just like wholeheartedly believes in that. Uh, so I just start experimenting with it myself just because of the GMO taking forever, and I definitely see that. I like I said, I think I can take GMO twelve weeks and dial back the hour, the last couple of weeks, and it finishes just like it would 13, 14 weeks, and I get the same hash yields and amazing like that's one thing about gmo it's i think it even though it's a high thc plant i mean the flowers always when i've seen it's 28 plus percent thc uh the hash rosin's touching 81 82 on the tests no problem uh it's 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 i feel like one of that's what's crazy about it's weak the weak genetics that are in it i feel like gmo has some old school s like healing terps in it 
uh, and cannabinoids. Like I, I don't think it's high in CBD at all or anything like that, but that's, what's crazy about testing is we have no idea. I mean, we can sit there and throw THCA numbers and THC numbers and CBD, CBDA, you know, uh, THCV stuff like that. But there's probably, there's at least hundreds of cannabinoids in there, you know, especially like you're saying the lipids and fats too. No, that's all untested, really. Nobody tests lipids and fats when they go and do a BHO run or something like that. They they don't test the plant material. Plant material is very low in THCA, THCA, you know, but it could be very high in other cannabinoids that we haven't even discovered yet. That's what's just terrible about cannabis being shit on for so many years by the government, you know, holding it down and just everything about cannabis has just been like, a locked away type thing instead of very researched and like we i mean i always had the theory growing up that we definitely had a lot more medicines in, in it than what like everybody kind of thinks that now you know the cbd is just amazing for people my dad has uh, rheumatoid arthritis really bad and he's on like shots that drop his immune system down and everything and he's been on the drugs and he didn't like him because he messes stomach up and really kind of you know mess him up so he just kind of deals with the pain other than like the certain shots he takes that lower that i know they lower his immune system but they help with the rheumatoid arthritis humera so something like that but uh he uh, just recently finally got onto the cbd i wish he's just so old school they smoke cigarettes and stuff still so it's like it's just they they don't think of to take like you take like they growing up they took tylenol when they hurt and stuff like that so the cbd he needs to realize he needs to take it all the time and it's like a preventative instead of a cure like he needs like they were never sold that when they were younger that an ounce of preventative is worth a pound of cure they they just wait till their body's shutting down and bam now i need something like now but if he loves the CBD. He just doesn't use it. I agree. I, I had a daughter that uh, is battled anxiety and uh, she tends to wait and use the pen. I'm like, why let it come? <laughs> why let it come? Keep that CBD in you. Keep it. Keep that bad moment away. Why wait till it hits you and then fight it off? It doesn't make any sense. I agree. That's yeah. That's that's literally like I I struggled my whole life. Depression, anxiety. Some so I was just having a really good conversation with Organotron earlier. Just this life of a grower, hash maker, doing it all yourself is very isolating makes it so you can't go on a lot of trips you see miss a lot of stuff i mean miss birthdays and stuff because i had to do certain things i'm harvesting certain things like that that have to be done you know it's it, it can kind of breed some mental health problems because you're just so isolated you're, you're running it on your own you're trying your hardest when you have plants that are doing shitty and you can't figure out what's going on that just it's so frustrating so like I think the CBD has really helped like a ton. When I finally found like taking like decent doses of CBD, 
it really helped when I was having it because I, I, I've gone through phases of like having like full blown anxiety attacks out of nowhere when I like growing up and stuff. But like, and then even into my adult and everything, I realized when I was going through that, if I kept CBD high in my system, I wouldn't have these attacks. I could go out, I could be more sociable, I could do everything. And another thing that I always advocate is uh, psilocybin mushrooms, the microdosing. That's, amazing too that were them working together if you can get that dialed in cbd to thc to, to psilocybin in your diet completely that can regulate your brain chemicals just like a antidepressant i feel like to I bet I keep cannabis in my system as much as possible. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, feel that to be honest with you about the RSO, but that's a fine line. Taking a, a small amount, almost like a micro dot, you know, per day as like a preventative. But I found that's a case. That's a careful. If you tend to get too greedy with that micro dot, you can really. Uh, take down your tolerance as well <laughs> so yeah. it's a fine line of keeping healthy and right raising your tolerance your daily tolerance to it yeah Powerful uh, uh, i i can't thank the cannabis plant enough it's provided me with everything i have i've worked hard my whole life with it now it feels like it feels like i should say i, I you know, even in school, it, I I made money mowing lawn, but I also made money, you know, doing my thing. So it it's always brought me joy, not just like any sort of profit, but the profit brings you so you can opportunities to do things like it's it's not it's never been about the money for me. When I, I never started growing because I was like, oh, I want to make money. I wanted to grow the best and when you grow good it, that money came but that provided more opportunity in my life more and, and then it just stacks on top of itself as you try harder you it comes if you're doing things right in life it should just kind of come yes bad things happen and you cannot stop like the inevitable of like sickness disease you know getting hurt and then just also even just down to like we were talking about mental health you can sometimes you just that gets in your way of you stacking and keeping going but as long as you keep focused it will come and 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 don't like i've seen so many people get too greedy and that's been their downfall like they end up getting into a lane, seeing a lot of money really fast or something from cannabis or even other things. This is other things in life, not even cannabis, but, and that becomes their downfall because they get too wrapped up in the money. And that, that comes down to them too. It can't be like blamed on the money necessarily or, or, or the cannabis or anything. It, it comes down to the, that person and that bringing them out. I was always told that it ain't the problem with the money. It's the problem with the person that 
has the money if you like that money like is like a it, 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 it like makes everything bigger you know it's if you already have an ego problem you get money you're gonna have a fucking major ego problem like it if and then like losing money can cause that too you got a problem in your mind and you're just constantly like just like hating that you're poor instead of enjoying being alive or whatever is just in your life that is good that somebody that doesn't have it's it's such a you know it's it's crazy see it's seeing and from the cannabis industry because of you know being in it so early and seeing it blow up you know everybody knows how much everything was going back in the day you know you you could have a four lighter and be killing it you know (laughs) uh it's just it's crazy how people with that that focused on the money now they're terrible they're i mostly times see it terrible instead of focusing on themselves or bettering things or bettering their grow or bettering their anything you know i hope that all made sense (laughs) it was well said well said you know uh as far as like the mental health goes it was kind of funny the whole i think it prepared a lot of us and it should have been the answer for more to be honest with you again now that i'm thinking about it uh for this pandemic that we're just kind of getting out of there uh that whole isolation thing as you were talking about earlier pre-pandemic you know we were used to it we were used to it so when they told us all right fucking most of us growers were like, cool. I'm used to chilling my plants anyway. Just a normal day. See you. So it didn't affect a lot of the growers. I don't think too badly mentally. I think more people should have taken on cultivation at that time. And I think they actually tried to tell people that. You know, fucking that whole time gave cannabis a lot of a little bit more clout anyways. You know, they essential. They made it essential. You know, we gave yeah, yeah. people, they it helped with the whole pandemic as a medicine as well. And, uh, you know, like I'm kind of getting to and as I tried to hint to in the beginning, man, uh, as far as mental health goes in a lot of other ways, I believe the cultivation side is the more bigger part of the medicine yes 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 it is a powerful medicine as we sit here smoke it and just however you you know but again how much of that could be placebo you know a lot of things have that placebo effect but it is a good medicine but i think that it happens right here you know at the end of the day man when it's stress you know you've worked up a little bit of anxiety anxiety fades nine times out of ten it's you step at the prefaces of your plants you look in at them you kind of scan over who's, who's got that bad leaf how do you look around you know what i mean all that daily just fades away just fades away you know and i think that in itself is a huge part of the medicine but as 
if you are using it as a medicine, you're a cancer patient, you're using it for whatever reason, what you've lost through the ailment, nobody likes to say, I can't. I can't is a privileged word all inside, on top of physical one reason or another. But once you get back into that garden, see yourself life in itself you know playing out before you and you realize that's your medicine and you're producing your own medicine and you get that i can and i you know i did that i make my own medicine that is huge that i mean you say it to yourself man it'll give you goosebumps you know what i mean you're releasing chemicals in your head without even consuming it yet so I honestly believe the cultivation side of things is huge. And it, it is. I, as far as mental health goes, I've said this a lot, man. My dream would be hugely to set up a nonprofit, like just rehab almost center, you know, for recovering addicts, mental health, you know, even people coming out of incarceration. I believe they could help. You know, in that aspect too, returning bets. There's a lot of that can be done through the cultivation side, a lot of rehab, a lot of personal rebuilding on the cultivation side. I, I think that would be, you know, a, a good medicine in itself. You know? So I think they try to tell people, you know, through COVID, hey, wink, wink, cannabis. <laughs> it's your medicine, but they didn't say plant that shit. You know what I mean? They just consume it. So, it is. There's been there's been times uh, just when I've been long days stressed. uh, Have like when I I run my lights a lot of the time during the night during the summer. So that like it'll be you know eight o'clock. You got to go water. You got to go trim leaves. Sometimes I'll be just dreading it, dreading it. Like oh man, but. Once I get in there, I'll catch myself as I walk in there. I'll I'll walk in there and I'll just stop and stare. I'll be because I'll be not wanting to do it, you know, or something like that. But then I'll just stop and literally just like zone out, daydreamish, just looking at the plants. Almost just like it's almost like they cast it, like watching them flutter or you know it costs like a little trance on me of just zoning completely out and i'll i'll be honest i'll like see like visions i guess and have real deep thought right then and there about why i'm upset or what's bothering me what's been bothering me and and some of the best clarity has came from all of a sudden i come back to almost if you want to say and i realize it's been like i've been standing there for like 30 minutes sometimes and I'll be like, uh, and then boom, and an idea will help me be like, oh shit, like, or some stress. Like, I got some, I run the nectar for the gods line, uh, you know, nectar nutrients and nectar soil and all that. Yeah, they, they're, that's based very on pH. So there's been time, like, and then I, like, just recently, I feel like had some questionable batches of soil that the ph was whacked out on and 
and just not i don't know if it was just not mixed right or what the deal was it's very hot it's gotten hotter and hotter which i like because you use less nutrients but plants do not like going into hot soil and when they're not used to it it's a big problem with that and then the way that like i was talking about with the calcium magnesium balance like you have to use the demeter's destiny destiny is a essential part of that line because it's just a calcium supplement that because helps pull helps pull like the magnesium be used through and the other nutrients there's like fucking 12 bottles to that line it's fucking oh my god like it's it's i've grown some of the best cannabis i've ever grown with it but i also fucking hate it at the same time because it's pain the ass to shake 10 bottles every time you're fucking doing refilling for five gallons oh man it's that's i've literally been through it with every bit of shitty like it coming like a brick in the bottom of things and i gotta get in there and break up the the clumps of shit to, and it's just but it's so ph like if the ph is off by a few points in the so i mean i should say it's got to stay between six four to six seven to be a proper when, when i'd say a uh, teen plant you know when it's smaller i started oh man like i lost so many clones transplanting clones directly into that soil because it just burn them instantly no matter what i do and then so i started mixing that with like sunshine or pro mix i hate pro mix so i try to get sunshine or just a better bale of you know uh, basically just soilless medium you know but sterilized so that has no nutrients and then i mix it 75 like sunshine to 25 nectar and that's still like i feel like it's just so hot because and that like it's not i don't know the ph is so off on this last batch that i transplanted amazing plants into 15 gallon pots like i always do done it a thousand times and boom they just go they start clawing and red stems within a week and, and yellowing and not bad yellowing just pale or something like that rough leaves one of the biggest things, my biggest thing when I know plants are doing good is I can walk in the room and feel the leaf and like know the plant's happy just because of how not rough or how supple it is kind of and, and how green and it's praying, the tops are praying, you know, and everything's looking. It's just, you know, if you've done it a long time. So when I fucking transplanted these perfect plants into 15 gallon pots and they just go to basically what i would consider just go to shit like boom real fast when the plants that i didn't transplant because i had extra plants sitting right next to it that are fine that are just growing like a motherfucker but that and, and it's just the nectar line is amazing if you get it dialed but if you don't it's all problems so i like like i was saying i've, I've dealt with that in my mind and like i said just staring at the plants like because i'm all frustrated with something just go in my room and just staring at the plants 30 minutes boom it'll click in my brain something i've been forgetting about oh i didn't calibrate my ph tester this week that might be why and then i go on check and boom it's three points off bam the best i now i'm feeling good now i feel amazing i'm happy again just from fucking going from having a shitty day to staring at my plants looking like i'm fucking you know daydreaming to bam now i'm happy again because i figured out my fucking problem so can i giggle a little bit without you getting mad <laughs> so i just laughed because i you know i've heard a lot of great things about the nectar 
I've never run it myself. I haven't been always to organic. I definitely have my days in cocoa. Actually, think half, half, I almost have one foot back in cocoa right now. I am running organics right now, but I'm in like a second run of soil. And I'm like in that, I don't know. I don't know, second run, you know, phase in the soil where if you're uh, we're back in cocoa, it'd be just a flush and like, bam, right back on game on. And I miss that about cocoa. But what I'm giggling about is the, um, I'm sure most organics people will get a kick out of this too. It's the pH argument that you're talking about. Most times when you hear the organic argument in soil, they're like fucking pH what? You know what I mean? I don't even own a pH pen and shit. Then you talk, you know, nectar, totally organic and shit, but you're like, oh man, have that pH pen handy. You know what I mean? Which totally kind of goes against everything you would hear about organics or organic soil. That's why I kind of giggle when I hear you say, oh man, you gotta live by that pH pen. I thought, oh. It makes me wonder about the organic side. I mean, if if you're that that's where, I mean, organic. Uh, shout out Alchemist Organics. I'm a, he's a living soil guy. Uh, he really believes wholeheartedly that, that he he doesn't believe people. He he will tell me that my nectar is not organic he believes that it's not organic and it i mean i guess if you look at some of the sources of, of certain things that they use it's not the best source things the, the nectar a lot of people don't realize nectar has a, a a contract with tyson chicken and that's where all their bone meal comes from is from chickens and if you test the soil from uh uh and if you run nectar and you run the herculean harvest specifically a lot of people run Herculean, but don't run the whole nectar line. So it's all you guys too that fucking run nectar. It will test positive for steroids that, that there are in the chickens from because they steroid the fuck out of them chickens. So it's that the whole debate over bottled newts versus living soil versus salts, like there's only a few bottled nutrient lines that are considered organic. Nectar's one of them. There's that's probably the more leaning away from, but with nectar, I, uh, you had Paisley Acres on here. I remember, right? Sir. Yeah, I had Very a good deep. conversation. I had a good conversation with him talking about nectar. That's what brought him to living soil and swamp hash. I love swamp hash. Jay there. Uh, uh, he, he, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, uh, uh he, he them guys started with nectar and that's what taught them like about like how stuff breaks down creating a, a mycelium that uh, that helps break everything down to to so it's taken up better because if you're running nectar you can sit there and give it all them nutrients if your soil's not right and living it's not you're you're not going to produce i know people that run nectar that just can't get it figured out they can't like yield or they just they're giving tons of plants and their plants look like crap all the time it's just because the they aren't maintaining a proper like living soil like with nectar 
to run it properly and have your plants perform like I have them perform. Like, okay, when I transplant, I put down mycos, the granular right away. That that gets the mycorrhizae going like right right as I transplant. Uh, I'll water in azos with that too. After I'll probably do a f- initial watering with no azos, and then I'll do azos on the next watering with, uh, you know, a little bit of nutrients and stuff like that, so that my, my can start breaking down the bone meal or, you know, the the, the crab meal, the the bo- the chicken bones that are in the herculean and all that, and then everything else that's in the the base nutrients, but that soil is so hot. You really don't need a lot of base nutrients. It's more just like getting some Herculean to stabilize your pH. Cause that, that bone meal just stabilizes your pH. That's a big reason why it's used as a flush. A lot of people use it as a flush because it helps uh, lock up bad things that can alter your pH or can stay in your plant and bring them out as you in your flush. Uh, the, 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 to get nectar to perform and you get to get the meaty nugs like I get, I do a cycle where, because you have to use enzymes up when you're using, when you're using nectar, it creates a gum on top of the soil. And uh, like a lot of people hate that gum because it'll build up so bad. You can't even get water through it. And like I used to deal with it. So that's when you got to use SLF and enzyme, or there's a couple other ways you can take care of it. But the easiest way I like to use is SLF, 100 it's an enzyme but that also takes out probably at least a third of your living stuff in your soil when you run that through your soil it's kind of bad for your living part of your soil it's not terrible it's actually good but but you need so I, i run a cycle of like okay i'll run some s like if i got a crust like building up i'll run s I always run, I run, I run it this way in water. It goes SLF. Uh, then I'll reintroduce my microbes. So I'll use recharge or a mycorrhizae or azos or something like that right after I do my enzyme. And then I feed, feed, and then enzyme to break down any gunk that's building up from the feeds and then bam, reintroduce bacteria again. So you're constantly like almost renewing the soil with fresh bacteria every time you use enzyme. And you never use enzyme with bacteria in your water. So that just, that keeps that soil moving, the gunk from building up so bad. You'll still have buildup, but you should break it up. Like I take a little, like, like a little cloth thing on the end and just break up the top of the soil. So it drains properly and that enzyme can eat that. And when that's eaten properly, that's part of the reason why one of my, just my, one of my last harvests, I had some of the biggest Dr. Who's Kush nugs I ever seen just coated in resin amazing flower like for having giant buds usually giant buds like that aren't the best in my opinion but it just i pushed that plant damn up until the end when i had a little ph problem that's what's crazy is my p just because i wasn't calibrating it properly i had a couple of weeks where i was in the lower ph is six three six two and that's too low for nectar you want to keep at the end of flower you should be up in six six and it's just that's what i say you got you live by that ph when you run in that nectar line and 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 when you come back to to the organic guys like alchemist here if their soil is proper and they have the right buffers in the soil they shouldn't have to ph if you're running a proper living soil like like not like nectar like where it's kind of like a back and forth of like living soil that helps break down the nutrients you're giving them if you're just using a super soil like what Subcool used to use 
if you've done it right and everything's done right, you should have enough buffer in your plants to bring a seven pH down to wherever the plant needs it to take it up. If you're doing it right, you don't need a pH on living soil. But if you're using bottled nutrients like I use with nectar, you have to live by that fucking pen. Even with BioBiz, I I mean, I don't give a fuck what nutrient, bottle nutrients, you live by that soil or live by that pH pen unless you're using advanced nutrients or the, the pH perfect shit. But I don't even believe in that bullshit too. I don't know. I've never ran it, but I, I strongly feel like it's weird that the plant uh, takes up the same amount of nutrients at such a wide variety of pH, like they're saying. Do you believe in the advanced pH perfect? I, yeah, actually, I believe it is. I've, I've worked, I've actually ran a few of the salt lines that balance themselves, seem to pretty well balance themselves right to where they need to be. Uh, so really? I've never ran the balance perfect, but uh, yeah, I can see through the salts I've used them being self balancing. What are you using Again, right now? You know, uh, even in cocoa, as long as I'm running a, a good amount of microbes in my cocoa, man, I, I, it's never, I never really sweat it. <laughs> I even like, I don't know, rough, rough guess, maybe once in a while, check it, just kind of keep it basic in line. I'm not on that every time. Yeah. You don't, you don't pH your water <laughs> when you give it to them? Never. Never. I actually drag a hose in here. Yeah. It's right outside the door. <laughs> I run it through a filter. I run it through an RV filter. I'm on a well. I run it through an RV filter and then just straight through two plants there. I'm in soil right now, but I would do the same thing. Well, I wouldn't do the same thing if they're in because I'd be mixing some nutrients in, but it'd be the same water source. I wouldn't be doing much to it. The salts, again, once I was in the salts, they pretty well pH themselves out anyway. So, never not much for. <laughs> I can remember actually, shit, this is around 11, 12 to growers I very well respect to this day. And I used to love getting that cat worked up. Uh, B-Man. The B-Man. Uh, he's actually one of the guys that helped uh, hunt out the Thin Mint. Uh, and we used to, when we meet up at the dispos uh, every Sunday, have the smoke down. We would sit there. He, would, he was a big proponent because he was running a hydroponic system and pH, 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 pH. So, man, I don't pH shit. <laughs> and I, he would enjoy my, you know, he couldn't deny that I had good flour. You know, that wasn't the argument. He would tell me I could be doing more, blah, 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 blah. But he would just get fucking just red in the face, man about the pH. I'm like, dude, that's not cannabis when you're working yourself up like that. Damn it. Here, smoke <laughs> this shit. Fuck that pH. <laughs> <laughs> but I still kind of razzing a bottle with it to this day when I see. 
It is what it is. Again, you know, to, is, if it's working for you, I'm not telling you not to do it. Obviously, it's a huge part of the line. You know, uh, what I'm doing here is works well for me, you know, so. Uh, what are you running for? I you just, said you're running organics, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually in just a good soil that I've uh, just give water. put together. Yeah, just water. Yeah, that that's... Just water, a little top dressing when needed. Uh Compost or cat earthworm castings if needed. Nothing. So you're doing? Do you use uh what bacteria is you using like mycos, azos, anything like that? Nothing. Nothing. I took it right down to nothing this time with the soil. Just let it be natural and put whatever's in there. It's in there. Uh, I did use. I had some uh, Brandon Russ sent me some of his mycos, his microbiology, and his Bokashi. I have some of that stuff floating around. Uh, I guess Photo Plus are so often. I float on products. You know, I'm always trying to do shit. And now, I, since then, I've been in soil, I've really pulled back a lot on anything I've ever put in. That actually only came because of the earth boxes with their boxes run that got me into it uh, late back so probably why I want to dip my food one back into the cocoa I don't know like I said the second round trying to reuse the soil this round uh, I'm not so happy with I'm, I'm definitely feeling cocoa right about now you know, the, 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 the beds, the, the soil is definitely back into a learning curve. You know, back when I was uh, running soil way, way back, it was by the bag, run and dump, run and dump, run and dump. Never even reuse wasn't even a thought. From there to cocoa. Now back into, you know, actually learning organics. And it's nice. It's nice. But I'm not in beds. And, you know, pots are kind of a different deal. You know, fresh bags, fresh runs, nice. Nice. On the re reuse side of things, I don't know yet. That's what kind of, I well, I've, I've gone back and forth. You know, I'd tell this story if you want to hear it real quickly or not. I, would, I initially started growing a long, long time ago in an attic space and trying to conceal everything started in dirt i realized fucking quickly dirt in an attic space wasn't gonna work you know it was fucking sagging the roof i ended up having fucking put it in beans ended up trying to find lighter medium ended up in a, like a cocoa type base kept that shit for a long long time got back here or sold that place Got over here and solid ground where I've been growing in this area now for close to seven fucking years. But when I got back here, I thought, hmm, I'm going to go back to Super Soul. I'm going to go back to Soul and try this shit again. So I fucking started mixing it up and I was happy with it again. And then I started taking on some more patience because I had lost some in the move. And uh, 
So I took some more patients on up here and got ahead of myself in the cooking, you know, soil and re ran it and got into a hot run. And I was like, ah, fuck this shit. <laughs> fuck this shit. I was already in my hot batch. You know what I mean? So I didn't really have time to spare to let another batch cook. Kind of reverted right back into my cocoa waste, which I stayed for a good amount of time until basically Mr. Smiley taught me into running the earth boxes. Earth boxes were good to me, and then I kind of swayed back into soil, which again, pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses. Uh, life, eh, if it wouldn't have been trials and tribulations of life, had made me step away from the garden for a week or so. As we talked about vacations as a grower, slim and now stepping away from the garden is always bad. And stepping away from the garden could have been tragic had I been back in my cocoa, but I've been gone for that same amount of time. Plants most certainly would have been dead and gone. But since they were watered prior, they were fine. They were suffering a little, but still good. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. Still kicking it back and forth on the What about yourself? You ever think about dipping into the soil full on? Forget the 16 bottles of the nectar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I've definitely, I've almost gone backwards and, and went back to salts too. Like, it's kind of this crazy debate of what people want really and how much they care because i mean i don't want to ever use anything that's could potentially be bad for somebody in the future as as like like if more things come along like i'm also i'm worried about like these people running athena that could possibly be leaving things in the plants that are bad for people in the future and people have negative side effects along in the future. That's why I've always stuck like with the organic route because it was just the cleanest way and kind of the most tried and true. You know, it was always grown organic for a long time and then people came up with salt nutrients. And so it's, I, I like living soil. The biggest thing I haven't ever seen was the yields that's the biggest thing i could never like like commit to with the living soil i do living soil outdoor i like no-till beds outdoor i i kind of rock with that but i've never se i've seen amazing yields with the living soil outdoors but i've never seen very good yields with indoor living soil if that makes sense see to me I don't know. I, I, you know, again, I've heard amazing things about that. Right. But any, if I see flush in any nutrient lineup, I immediately, I'm like, fuck. They know, they know ahead of time. 
there's going to be builds up of something ahead of you. You know what I mean? Something in their program isn't going to be right. You have to flush money right out. That's what what I see, too. You're flushing your fucking money right out. And that's all you're doing. Because as you kind of hinted a second ago, I think a lot of growers really misconstrued flush term. You're taking nothing out of that fucking plant. They'll take a bit. It's it's a pile remediating. It's only uptaking shit and fucking storing it. So if it's heavy metals, whatever, it's bad in that nutrient lineup, whatever. It's in there. Flushing it isn't going to help. It's fucking in there. It's fucking in there. Yep. So... What so let's take that back. What other what it does flushing and what are you flushing? You're flushing your stupidity out, basically, in my opinion. And I'm not calling you stupid or the line stupid. I just saying that you know you realize there's too much of something in there. And in my opinion, again, you're flushing your hard work, everything you're pumping into that medium right out the bottom. And you know. In, in my opinion, the only degree in, in a cocoa type atmosphere, the only reason you're flushing is to correct something. You went too hard one way or another, and you need to get everything out of there and start again. You know what I mean? Other than that, I don't believe you should have to flush anything. You know, especially when I did use uh, salts and stuff like that, I always tend to think more on a soil type mindset. You know what I mean? I wasn't like push, 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 push. It's always been an even keel. You know what I mean? I'm not necessarily watering for, oh, I'm I'm fucking in week one of flower. I've got to go heavy on this or heavy on that. Well, I'm just going to give it water. And if it's needing more, it's going to suck that shit up and I'll be watering again tomorrow. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... I, it, it, if I'm constantly underfeeding or barely feeding all the time, I don't necessarily have to worry about flushing until something goes awry. Or, or, you know, and most times it won't, in my opinion. But if I see a line that actually, if I'm like shopping for one, and I understand that that's a big part of the nectar, and I, and again, it's so expensive, I have a hard time just dumping my money. Is it? Uh, again that's a weird moment for me too is how much can we dump into the plant if we start throwing co2 at it the best light we can and all the best inputs are you really going to get that much gain out of everything thrown at it that's a question i struggle with (laughs) Uh, i i do it's the nectar line is fucking insanely expensive when it comes to nutrients, money you put in the nutrients to outcome, like compared to other lines. I mean, if you compared it to a like a, like synthetic lines, it's laughable how much you're spending. Like, I mean, just a 4K single-ended HPS uh, like, like run, you're running 16 plants, 15-gallon pots, watering. 45 gallons you know each run or each watering you're going to spend 800 dollars on a run of nutrients just for that grow 
no problem. Maybe even a thousand. It, you'll get an amazing product as long as you do it right. But if you don't, and Martin Nectar's really easy to kind of don't if you kind of if you like because a lot of people will switch to nectar and think that they can pump the plants like they do with synthetic nutrients and you you kind of can and you really can't at, at the same time it's like i said it's all about how you're structuring your 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 like mycelium that's taking everything up inside of the soil giving beneficial bacteria, and then using enzymes to break down the organic materials that the, the even the because you're not like in a living soil type situation where there's actually you're just kind of feeding the mycelium the whole time to break down every bit of nutrient instead of like with nectar you're kind of feeding the roots and the mycelium at the same time it's it's a like i cannot i would never can i have friends that try nectar all the time and they grow terribly it's it's i would never push the line onto somebody unless they wanted a certain type of product and that that's where i I, like i'm trying to word it the best instead of like because i don't like i love nectar i've loved nectar for a long time it's given me some of the biggest organic yields that i've ever seen i don't see I got, I know there's growers out there that say they're organic, but use PK boosters that are super synthetic. They'll be their whole line of organic, but all oh, I use this PK booster and that's, what's making my plants fucking get giant. Like they get or like, you know, I get these crazy yields or they're using some sort of synthetic somewhere. You know, I use the nectar line with just SLF, and mammoth pea and i have people call like think i'm lying that i'm using just nectar because they think i'm using some sort of pk booster or really just any sort of uh plant growth pgr you know or something like that but you can tell by how my gmo is super foxtaily that i don't use pgrs my a lot of stuff gets foxtaily the longer i take it and and it's my bud definitely looks completely different than anything that's been grown with salt salts or any i don't even i it's it's got a certain look to it that i i I hear it all the time when i'm at these events or people that have just the people that don't know a lot they they're like wow it looks so different i'm like yeah it's because it is it's i mean have you have you ever smoked living soil or anything like that most of the time it's kind of related to that but I almost get that, like I said, nectar can provide you almost with the best of both worlds where you get an organic product that you can tell people's organic and is clean and will test clean of anything that you will ever see heavy metals or anything like that, except for the soil will test with steroids, but I've never heard of bud testing with for steroids or anything, but uh, they, it will give you almost the best of both worlds with an organic clean product that has a clean look and everything's like on that organic like the terpene profiles and stuff like that are always on that organic look but you can grow like i said the yields i've been getting the only people that i know that get yields like that are growing with salts again you know i'm not knocking it or whatever is you stand by your product i haven't tried it you know what i mean I'm sure it's good. I've looked down your page. You, your flower looks great. 
you know what I mean? So I'm I'm not questioning it by any means. That's for sure. And like I said, the most people that I had talked to that run the nectar are preaching the same choir you are, you <laughs> You know. So it's almost like people with Subarus. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I I was a super advocate of nectar up until I started having major problems with nectar. And now I tell people that I grow with it because I have so much time put into it. I want to switch. I just, it comes down to fear of the unknown, you know, I I have a couple ideas on what I want to switch to, but now I got to figure out another line again. It's just, I'm the, I'm the nectar guy. Everybody knows me as nectar that like all at these events, I say, Oh, you're the, you grow a nectar and you, yeah, that's, and you kill it, but they're like, fuck that. I ain't shaking. Well, how fun is it going to be the guy that switches and shit, you know, maybe even switch over to salts and shit and be like, yeah, that's that nectar is the shit. You'd be like, no, that's some salts right there. They'd be like, no, what? That'd be the conversation for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, shit. Dude. You were nectar forever, man. I can see yep. the conversation all right. <laughs> that's exactly what would happen too. Like, like I've I mean when even when i switched to nectar people were just like oh your weed's so much sweet uh, it's it's like everything got sweeter mainly like instead of being so gassy like i feel like that's a big thing that comes with organics is is everything becomes there there's always like a sweeter it's it tastes more natural it doesn't taste synthetic when you grow organic so one thing i guess i'll give it uh, the nectar some credit for is uh, you know obviously it's huge on the micro life that's going on in the product uh, and I believe from everything I've learned that it has everything to do with terroir or you know, terpene profile of the bud so I can see you know I can see a little bit of method in madness there so get it i get it i just think paying for a little bit very expensive line it's it's ridiculous man like and then when i can't get deals on soil it's 19 bucks a bag so it's i try to get around the 14 to 15 dollars a bag but that's sometimes almost impossible to find i that's where i hate i it's it's sucked because i've always been a proponent of shop local shop mom and pops but you're downstate get a hold of a detroit nutrient company oh uh, yeah organic water somebody put me on to some or detroit nutrient company they were just talking about it can't remember uh you get a hold of him and tell me you want a few bags he'll do you he'll do you good yeah, I want to keep it local too. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot. Do you do you want me to tell you the reason why the hemp night thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Jay. It's a Jay and Silent Bob reference from specifically uh, 
Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I'm I'm a Star Wars fan too. So uh, when Mark Hamill plays the cock knocker in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and when he fucking busts through the wall, he's talking. He's like, it's it's just you'd have to watch it to uh, any and he talks about and they calls them hemp nights, and they it's it's that's where it comes from. It's from uh, Blunt Man and Chronic. They're the hemp nights. But I didn't want to like copy them, so I had a logo custom done from uh, Seis Uno on Instagram. He's a Spanish street artist. He's fucking. I love that caricature type of art, and he kills it. He's one of the. I mean, it just that type of caricature. Like I, I don't know. I think that's what it's called. He fucking. He didn't even speak barely any English, and just these broken ass texts, and killed my fucking logo, like. I've I had that made back in like 20, 2016 when I was just starting the thing. I I was I had a I had a booth at the Cannabis Cup and I did like start my brand, but then I stopped because I tried doing a rec uh, setup that was a waste of time. Bad investors, blah blah blah. Just it was a waste of time. So I kind of had to rebrand my like the whole hemp night thing again. But that's that's, that's the story of this word. I like the the story of it. The the wreck part of it was a little disheartening, but the rest of it's all good. <laughs> I see I hear that story so many times and we've all been there, man. The fucking second we planted the plan, I think at one point or another we've dreamed of doing it at a larger scale at some point. And uh, recreational cannabis has fucking put a huge, huge uh, ceiling on that dream for a lot of people, you know, that started off as caregivers. Uh, we could maybe slide in before that shit came in, but man, when it came in, they came in hard and they're making it more and more difficult to, to achieve our goals. And I don't know about you, but I kind of think, man, every time I think about making that switch and going to work for somebody else, it's like, do you want to, this is the way I've always looked about life too, is you're either building your dream or you're helping somebody else build theirs. And I guess when I'm checking in on a nine to five, just fucking defoliate and pull the phones, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if I'm living the dream at that point, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. It's, a lot, yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these girls, <laughs> they pay like shit. They, 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 it's not, it's not fun and games. They hire a bunch of people that you don't want to work with most of the time. It's not, it's not cool. It's, it's like the, it's like when I went to work at a grocery store first time I, I was all excited to talk to people and teach people how to grow or you know help people with their problems but it was most people just telling me what they do and like how they do it and then the then the 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 shop the shop doesn't like the grow store doesn't want you sitting there talking about cannabis all the time or they're just i had some kind of weird owners that i worked for there like there but it's like it's it, it, it was like a when i went into the rec version it was like a worse version of that 
Like any, even if you were like a head grower, anybody working under you is making half the money you're making. They, they, they eventually they'll hate to be there. They're, they're not very smart. And you're, I mean, you got to teach everybody, but like you, it turns into them put, putting the, the, it turns into the investor, just putting all the weight onto your back and then giving you shitty help. So like, you'll just be doing everything. You might as well as not even have them there. Like it's, it, it, and then they, they, then, then they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have you run this facility. that's cranking out, you know, 200 to $500,000 worth of product, you know, every so often or whatever the fuck, but we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, salary. And, uh, uh, if you if we want to fire you at any time, you have to sign a non-competitive clause that you can't work in the industry for so long and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, OK, you want me to do all the work, make you guys all the fucking money and you guys kind of can just shit on me anytime you want. Like. <laughs> it, it, it was it's I've seen that so many times. It's it's sad. They 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 want the the investors come in they they try to be like oh I, I can see your vision i can see us doing good and all they see is dollar signs and you're like no i want to create a brand that like is is like this that, that's done like this and they're like oh they, they try to say they're with you but then you start telling them numbers and what you have to do and the people you have to hire and like oh i they're, they're sitting there like oh i ain't gonna get my return on my investment in a year you know and it becomes it just you start to like just lose all faith and hope in the whole thing and you're like fuck this brand i don't care i'm not even a part of this this isn't even gonna be me in the end they could fire me at any time sorry for that rant <laughs> no 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 that needs to be said man hopefully it feels better saying it <laughs> hopefully you vented <laughs> it a little bit <laughs> yeah just i i don't like greedy ass people like i understand making money i understand everybody wants to be rich but when you literally just see dollar signs in somebody's eye when you're sitting there explaining them how you want to do this because it's this and i want to do it like this because i won't like it like like one of the, the grow i wanted it to be focused around like all we pop seeds and like have some of the best hash in michigan along with flour that's amazing and like create our own lane you know and and make it make it like more permanent rather than just riding some hype bullshit you know and uh like creating like a staple and and they they just like oh this and then they come at you with like oh well we want to run these lights because that's what this company runs or we want to run these strains because that's what this company runs it's like we could be better than them like you don't you're not seeing the vision you're not seeing my vision you're just seeing oh this company makes millions of dollars a year so we should do what they do and then when i say no i don't want to do it like that they're like well you're you're just dumb because you don't know business and it's like i I may not be a fucking millionaire but i know the cannabis pretty fucking good i've been in it for a long time now uh, yeah it's just one of them like they, they, they people see like investors don't understand the guy that's like me that's just been in it you know growing and grinding 
I agree, man. I totally agree. And it's sad. It really is. Because, uh, I well, yes and no. It's that attitude right there that uh, everything that you just said that I think produces myths. <laughs> you know, those plants feed off our energy 100%. If somebody else is like a meal. You know what I mean? If you're cooking, there's fucking ain't his job. Your meal is gonna taste like shit. If your people in there producing that cannabis is in there, and this is a nine to five job, and they can't wait to get the fuck out of there, that's gonna show in the cannabis. And that right there gives me hope that they're the craft market will be able to sustain. So people like the hemp knight can bring forth the you know, I pH the fuck out of this bud for you. You know what I mean? Taste, taste the goodness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think people want that. You know what I mean? It will, it's going to take a curve. They'll, they'll battle their way in with money. But in the end, I think the love for quality canvas will bring us back in. It's how long we can actually kind of tread water, I think, before the curve comes around. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think it will. I, I even like, I think people are finally realizing what good product is, even if it is salt grown. Cause I, I, I may sound like I'm hating on salt grown or something like that, but I would, I've thought about switching back myself. And so many times I see, I smoke stuff all the time. that's salt grown. That's amazing. I, I, but like you said, what, these big grows, cannabis almost has like this weird way of fighting back on its own because the more you scale it up, the worse it gets, no matter what. I don't give a fuck what you're doing. The more you scale it up, the worse it gets. And it's like almost like this way of like the cannabis plant fighting against that power, like because nobody can grow it all you know because if you try to grow it all it's going to be shitty <laughs> i guess uh the question is uh are you are you going to try to uh try the water you know i guess are you going to try to lean towards the the uh the extract side of things or will you lean towards uh flower production in the future if i was going like if i got a hold of a license or just the way i do it now through under the caregiver system either way i mean where would the, the love I... for the plant take you i guess you know what i mean if you could just do what you wanted to do and you know what i mean money not the object where would it take you would you just concentrate on the exile side of things or would you you know keep trying to pro produce you know the perfect flower if i if i could get a license to do what i want to do and give it to the people so anybody could get it i would get a micro license and i would grow and and pop my own genet like genetics and probably breed myself and then 
I would do the extracts and the growing and, and have them in unison under like a micro license. So I could produce exactly what I want to hash and then experiment with so many different things that people get to try and have complete input in like, see what, like, I, I love hearing feedback, even if it's something I don't like, you know, uh, Joe dirt. It's not about the snakes and sparklers. It's you gotta have it all. You got, <laughs> you, you may like snakes and sparklers, but not everybody likes that. So if, if I could give it to the people, cause I want people to enjoy cannabis, just like I want people to be able to get the best, what they can get their hands on and not have to pay out the ass. Like I would figure out like margins and it's not about undercutting anybody, but it's just people don't have access to stuff because either they don't have enough money or I want everybody to be able to try it. I want, because it's just like anything. If you go through your whole life and you don't get to fucking try it, that just fucking sucks. So I would try to do a micro license and, and, like a seed to sale type thing where I control the quality throughout it all. Not just me, somebody with the same type of eye, same type of feel for it. it yeah. I've had a couple, it's just dealing with investors is I don't have the means to do it myself. So I have to deal with investors. So it's, it's, it's almost been there before, but just wasn't right. That's where that's where the dream takes a shit for me. I am been so fucking hard headed in life. I've tried several endeavors outside of cannabis, partnerships with different shit, and partnerships. Uh, the best way I've ever found is find somebody that you don't fucking know that has a similar goal put everything in fucking writing and keep everything business <laughs> you know what i mean that's the only way part at the end of the way and don't even fucking talk until the next day <laughs> basically <laughs> nine to five all business that's the only way it works it's the only way it works if you enter like a friendship in it or whatever at some point one Changes half the dynamic. thinks, yeah, one half gets, thinks the other half's doing better or they're doing more or less. And it's fucking yeah. snowballs um, yep, every time. Yeah. yeah, just in, in this in this world today, especially like you're saying after the pandemic everybody's kind of more worried about themselves more than ever because they were scared for a fucking two years i mean that's not everybody was scared but like most people really if you think about it like it, it now people are even more different than they were before when it comes to selfishness because they had a time where i gotta worry about myself like I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to, you know, so fuck, like they, they compassion went way down. 
it's it's became a more like doggy dog world a little bit and it's separated people so badly it, it i don't i don't even i don't know where i was really going with there but it's made me just think it's you see it more and more in the cannabis industry and everything people the way they spend their money the inflation right now is fucking insane they talk about nectar being expensive it's fucking crazy now to buy the nectar line even just a i mean like i don't have a local grow store so i gotta drive 45 minutes to do that that's you know if i'm driving my truck because i gotta pick up soil it's fucking 10 miles to the gallon <laughs> so i'm just it's crazy with the doing the nectar line like i do it the more i think about it i'm like why the fuck do i do this <laughs> but i it kills it it really does i get the crazy hash yields the crazy good yields so i can't and i've got it dialed if i switch to something else i have to dial that in and hope it hope it does the same because i've switched lines and had like shitty yields I've, i can't say i've had these massive yields all the time i've had a pound per light you know i've had even less i've had to kill plants you know i think everybody's been through that you probably killed whole crops haven't you because of problems no i've always tried tough to it all and there's been times where i probably should have <laughs> i ain't gonna lie but i've toughed it out and made it through lessons learned you know what i mean and at some point you know i always try to pull something out of it try to make something from it yeah, I, I've always kind of done that too. I've only cropped out one harvest and it wasn't even, it wasn't in flower. It was uh, plants that were going to go into flower, veg plants that I, I, I think it was a mixture of, uh, sometimes I, I wonder if they just got some sort of disease. I don't want to say anything like hops latent or anything like that. I think it might've just got some random like disease it could have been russet mites but it didn't look like russet mites i i know what russet mites look like i had a buddy that had russet mites so i understand that but these plants just i think it was part of a bad batch of soil from nectar too i think that was i because i dialed i it was just like i'm having problems now i could i feel like i could have put myself in that position if i didn't use the calcium right get my ph adjusted properly and get uh, my plants would have if I wouldn't have done what I did to fix them, fix that soil, I should say, they would have fucking done what that one crop did for me. And I had to literally just toss them and fucking start new. It was this 16 plants. It wasn't that bad, but sucked. That's what, yeah. Any plant lost life. They all matter. They all matter. I was arguing this the other night with, uh, well, not arguing. I hate that term. Uh, um, oh, some some arguments are good. We were we were discussing <laughs> discussing uh, plant lives and stuff. Basically, we were talking about uh, calling out for the one. When we do that pheno hunt, obviously, you know, there's the first round and then we're taking cuts of all the females, you know, because we don't know which one's which. And then, you know, second round, well, we know a little bit more. So we don't, 
we've taken so you got all right first round yeah obviously four different females we'll say you take two to four cuts of each that adds up starts adding up quick you know and at some point you've got to start alleviating them numbers and making some choices and thunder dan was making the army the argument or the case the point that uh you know, if they ain't the one, they got to get the fuck out of there, make room for other ones. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. If I cut them, they're making it through. <laughs> if I cut them, they're, they're, they're going through. I'm not going to just throw them in the garbage or nothing. They're, they get that one hurrah. You know what I mean? They might not make it next round, but I'm not just going to throw them in the garbage now. Come on, that ain't. They can be hash or something. I can make apples out if they're that bad. They're going through. They're going through. I'm going to find some room for them somewhere. There's, there's always some, you know, fucking. There's, there's oh, been yeah. times where I had, well, hell, I just still do it. If, I, if things were in heavy production, if you rewind it like a year ago when I'm not moving, there's fucking plants lined up right along these edges. <laughs> you know, using that light and shit. I ain't wasting shit. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there too. I've done that shit too. I've, uh, I, I just, I, I've never struggled much with powdery mildew. Back when I didn't have proper climate control. I had some spots show up by this is long time ago, but I had some spots show up and uh, I just used fucking like back then my buddy just like they would suggest Eagle 20 and shit. And I always knew that was fucked. I always knew that was bad. And uh, that that was their cure. To you know, just a little side note before we go any further. Any any fucking funny that comes on like the show that like is a producer, you know what I mean? They they fucking make lights, the fucking nutrients, whatever. Seeds, sometimes even seed breeders are funny like that. Ha ha ha. ha. Use Eagle Eagle 20 as your coupon code. And we'll give you 20% off. And I'm, I'm like, why can't it be like 420? Eagle 420. Anyways, anyway, I didn't mean to jump in. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, Organatron, shout out Organatron again. He was talking earlier about that he's seen some test results of some stuff that was like super powdery mildewed out, and the guy washed it and tested it to see what came out of the hash and he had it tested for all molds and it came out no powder mildew uh, which blew my mind he said it was bad like like he this was a true test on what will the hash test if you wash it with powder mildew all over it and he said he's seen the test results and they and it's passed which that's kind of crazy because you know, bud doesn't pass all the time. That's it had barely any powdery mildew or anything on it. Like they won't even know they had a spot of powdery mildew and then it'll fail or something like that for powdery mildew or something like that. And uh what he was talking about that like 
when powdered mildew, you get it wet, it basically goes into the water and it's such a small micron that it'll even pass through a 25 micron. Like you'd think, oh, I, one of the rules of thumb of washing outdoor hash that I've just, uh, the, the old, the hash makers that I fucking grew up around is, oh, just don't run the 25 bag because it, it'll end up in the 25. But he was saying that the they like measured the micron size of the, of the, not just, I think it's, it's more than the spores that you're washing into the water, right? Like you're washing the actual, the mold of the powdery mildew, you know, into the water. They say that it's smaller than like two microns or something. So it's, it passes right even through the 25 bag. So as long as you're properly spraying, like when you're pulling up your bags and spraying your hash down, it's pushing anything through. I'm not an advocate of anybody washing some fucking powdery mildew. I, I've never really washed. I, I have like long time ago when I was younger washing outdoor that powdery mildew on it, but we didn't know what the fuck we were doing really back in 2011, 2000, probably in 2009, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. You know, that's when powdery mildew, I washed it, but it wasn't even through my setup. It was my buddy that I was helping wash and he had mad powdery mildew on shit, even indoor. And we were washing it to see what the fuck came out we weren't even drying it properly it was just like old school hash kind of techniques too but uh he i this if if the test results are there and it's it's not in the hash when you're done that means to, uh, he was saying that it's kind of becoming no, like a thing they're trying to like his buddy was trying to figure out that maybe washing like if you have powdery mildew bud you can just harvest it freeze fresh freeze it and wash it and you'll have a powdery mildew like a mold free product in the end instead of you trying to like off the bud or anything or give anybody that any kind of mold you could wash this wash it and make it and get the hash and you'll have a clean product if that makes sense yeah he's that which i i'm an advocate of you know saving something that could be good as long as it tests and won't hurt anybody Well, I've heard, I've heard, well, recreational weed, what did they do, brother? They fucking radiate that shit and send it out to the blaster, man. <laughs> yeah, that's so fucked. Like, what is that doing to the trichome? Or the plant material or whatever? Just microwaving it. <laughs> it's, yeah, what did, don't, don't. Don't trust the caregiver, but they they do the slide of hand on the recreational level. Yeah, this is talking shit with Eagle. So, (laughs) and uh, it's sad to what what we caregivers get blamed for here uh, in Michigan. There, that last. That last round where they were uh, trying to pin everything on the, the access or the flooding market uh, cannabis into the black market all on the caregiver. I thought that shit was hilarious. Oh, and again, I'll repeat it one more time. It was the caregivers that have to live by the numbers that were stringent about, like I said earlier. You know what I mean? That's only one of the biggest reasons I run a perpetual is because 
fully carded patient, you know, caregiver, five five patients plus myself, 72 fucking plants. If I were to fucking just run that out of mild crap all the time, I can guarantee, guaranteed to be over. You know what I mean? Not only that, I'd be passing problems to my patients and shit. You know what I mean? Here, in which, you know, I'm not saying anybody would be bitching. <laughs> I don't think anybody would bitch, but it would be, you know, over the legal limits, the legal standards, let's say, which I would think would be more accurate anyway, because, you know, that's just right. Because what we both know here in Michigan, once we call it recreational, well, plant, we call that just recreational. That's my recreational plant. That's not my medicine. We can carry just as much, but we can grow and have a greater amount. And that's fucked. But call that medicine, and you better burn all of that by 2.5 ounces. <laughs> yeah. You better burn all that shit instead of 2.5 ounces. Oh, recreational? Put it in a bucket. Smoke on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you should get some friends over here to smoke on all you got an access. Damn. But it's the caregiver flooding that market. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, it's it's a, it's a silly thought. It's a fucking silly thought. It, it uh what's what's happened is uh they 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 came into these I mean, i've met these guys these big guys that got all this money and think they are gonna run shit with the thing and they what happens they invest all this money they built these big, big giant setups just to grow a shit ton of mids and fucking ride that wave in the beginning for a couple of years of legalization and think they're fucking balling and buying yachts and shit like that and then now the numbers are fading and uh, they have products sitting and they don't know what to do. They don't know why. So their first fight is, Oh shit. It's the black market. It's the caregivers. It's, it's the, which I mean, it, yeah, definitely because people smoked on that fucking bullshit that they're paying $60 an eighth for, for a year and then realized it wasn't worth it. And now they're back to the caregivers. It, it, they're, you like i was saying cannabis has that way of like kind of fighting back against a system like that because they realize like people finally like realize that like small batch is the best it always has been the best what do you do you like jack daniels or you like go to the brewery that or the, the distillery down by you that's making their own version of something like that it's going to be fucking better i'll bet money every time it's going to be better it's uh, uh the they they these big investors the 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 margins were high and they're just getting closer and closer and closer and now they're barely making money like they are making money they're always making money but that overhead is always coming the pre- the price of inflation how much whatever they're doing is it it's shorting their margins and now they're freaking out and they, so they dumped a ton a ton of money the MCMA they fucking got that bill going they feel like they are got something going but what's funny even if that fucking bill goes through caregivers aren't gonna fucking stop 
they're not going to fucking stop. It's, it might even create this weird market where, I don't know. I've talked with people about it. Like people are the, the, the people that live in small towns and shit will be scared to grow again. But the people like that live by like where me and you are, we don't give a fuck. You know, we'll do what we do. We've been doing it. We did it before. So it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop us. It's just going to create a a price raise. Uh, You know, it's a risk again, going back to the wild, wild west again, kind of type thing, you know? Funny that you left off the wild, wild west there. And, uh, the caregiver that you'll never they'll never give up because but when I started growing before I could grow, you know what I mean, legally, when I got my first light set up, <laughs> the guy I got plants from, all that. I looked at him and I fucking giggle, I laugh insanely as I fucking uh fucking yeah uh, yelled out fucking the child's house since Heston, they'll pry this light out of my cold, dead hands. I'm never fucking going to stop now. He looked at me like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, no, seriously. (laughs) I'm never going to stop now. Now that I've got the power and the light, I'm never going to fucking stop. And I haven't yet. This this right here has been the most disheartening moment since I've hung a light, this fading of this garden has been so disheartening. This is the least amount of plants I've had my whole long, long, long career. Even when I fucking moved up here seven years ago, I came up in a snowmobile trailer with 72 fucking vegging plants ready to be flowered. And the, one of the first things I did fucking when I pulled them out, was set up a light, throw them under and start business. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all, and yeah. this time it's like, it's, it's a little different, man. I've kind of, it actually, it's made doing the show a little bit harder. You know, back when this started, man, I sat in this fucking flourishing garden. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now as it's kind of winding down, it's like, man, I'm sitting all the talking to all these growers as Mike's fading out. Shit, I need to do something. I need to fucking, I need to shift things very quickly. I'm getting this urge to just pop beans and all that shit. But thank God for spring. I may start to grow, grow very soon. <laughs> oh, dude. That's, that's the OG shit right there. The fucking gorilla style. I I never grew outside up until about 2015, something like that. And I just tossed some coffee uh, genetics I had the from P and W. You know, I'm talking about them that that lineage. Uh, Pacific North, uh, I can't remember a uh, roots. Or fuck, I cannot remember. But P and W Pacific guys. Northwest. Yeah, yeah, they're they're. I can't remember the seed Ask company exactly. Paul Abelco. Uh, it was specifically the coffee line. I had the coffee cake, the 
coffee f2 and all that uh but yeah yeah the the yeah yep yeah he i got the seeds right from him he fucking oh man when he smelled quantum kush he about he was just like he couldn't fucking like he just because it has this sweet gassy fucking old like i don't know it's 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 definitely a unique terp but he he fucking literally gave me some gave me and my buddy some seeds uh and uh i i popped a bunch of them in a with another guy i didn't have a big setup so i started trying to almost get people to pop seeds for me because i had so many and i just take cuts and uh that ended up turning a big mess lost a lot of really good genetics but uh uh i ended up getting uh, and running them outside because i was like fuck it I'm, i don't have the room for to even run these i stabbed them outside and them coffee genetics just fucking took the fuck off really outside i just kept growing man every year just stabbing them in like a gorilla spot like it's kind of swampy you know and they did all right they resisted this fuck to party mildew uh it's really good plants big ass buds with no support <laughs> i'm six two and they were as big as me and i never supported them so if you're interested you could go back and check out uh mr ross kyle paul there kaya he's done an episode too as well oh. on, on the channel Hell yeah! Pretty much, almost all, almost all of the well, not all, but a good portion of the, the Northwest guys there. I've had Blaskosan, I've had Kaya, I've had Lemahoko, uh, Titan, a bunch of other people from uh, over that way too on the show as well. I bet if you need a a, a, a proper degree or they've been a and then uh, you find an episode opportunity. Good yeah, one too. That was a great episode. Uh Dutch Blooms will be on actually next week, Tuesday. You're in good company. I, I went <laughs> You're in good I company, Hemp Knight. Yeah, I <laughs> I feel honored that you even asked me, man. I like the well, I really like what you've been doing for the Michigan hash makers, growers. Uh, I've I've been in the in the scene. Everybody knows me, you know. All these people, uh, uh, that like that they they've at least seen me at the cup, and I've showed them something they really liked because I've always worked hard, you know, and really loved it. I used to I used to be that guy walking around with a big ass fucking hiking bag with dry ice in the bottom of it, hash on on top of the dry ice and jars of weed on top of that. That was how I rolled around. And yeah, I had some amazing experiences at the Cannabis Cup, just meeting people from all over. Finally, because we always did like that's kind of why I feel a little, I guess, more comfortable on here because I used to do a ton of Google Plus hangouts and tiny chat, hanging out with all the hash makers and breeders and stuff like that around the United States. Because we just get done with our growing shit, jump on here and smoke together. Campus community is a very amazing community, that's for sure. Not so many great people 
in the, in the community. That's for sure. You, dude, if uh, Fletch from Archive, that they would be. He's he's a just just like I don't know. He's a legend. Like he will be a legend because he's just kind of Archive isn't that old. They've been doing it a long time, but I just feel like their genetics uh, are very something that is very something very special. We 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 don't see a lot of uh, people like just the success and the and the, the what I really love is the transparency because there's been a lot of genetics out there that herm or have tendency to herm that they don't put that but on like but archive literally on every single dosi cross the any dosi do cross they have a disclaimer saying that the dosi do has a tendency to herm to like a 20% tendency to herm and that's and they don't they like and he's even from what i've heard him say and stuff like that he does not like working with that genetic it's just people people love it it's a crazy like almost girl scout cookie ass but better in my opinion yeah cookies are definitely a taste so uh who uh who are some of your Michigan favorite hash makers other than yourself? There's quite a few. Anybody that uh, you kind of, you know, it's always nice to tip at. Respectable. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I've, I've shouted out most of them in the time of you, talking. Uh, yeah. Uh, Diggity Dank, Trip Scientific, uh, Organitron. He just helped me a lot. Organitron, I can't thank him enough for how much he just kind of showed me how to work this press instead of me figuring it out because it would just been me figuring it out instead of having him just show me and be like, boom, this is this is a good way to do it, you know. So Organitron, uh, let me think. Alchemist Organic wearing his shirt right now. He's cool. He's he's always. I gotta say, I like that. One. My, yeah. <laughs> Tattooed across uh, the forearm. Yeah, he's Back got a dope here. I like it. You can see the back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to wear the thing. They're all on Instagram. You can check them out on that, that them names too. But uh, Smokey, always. I love Smokey. He's a good dude. He's uh, he. If you ask him some questions, he'll fucking answer them. Best as boss. He ain't gonna sit there and talk to y'all all day because he's busy guy. But just like everybody else, but you know, he's he's answered the questions I've asked him every time, and he's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of you know made a lot of hash. Probably, I've you know I've been making hash a long time, but I never had tons of amounts I was making at certain times. So that's where his experience. These bigger guys. Uh, let me think. Gosh. That's one thing I really appreciate about the cannabis community in general is that it's been very open source, at least the last few years anyway, for sure. You know, people are very quite open about what they're doing and how they're doing. And, you know, not necessarily in a pushy manner, but you know what I mean? If you want to know, 
they're well into <laughs> they're well into teach or you know it's pretty cool uh, to have such an open source learning experience as you know cannabis progresses it's only going to make things better as we progress I so. yeah if if i can get if i can if anybody could take away from me doing this or the reason why i wanted to do this is just because i want people to see that transparency is the best thing to making a product that's going to make them what they want in the end there's a lot there's a lot of trickery in certain things but it isn't bad that's another thing i want to say i say trickery but it isn't necessarily bad it's just saying something something when it's something else and the but then there's the people like there's there's a like i want people just to know that me personally i'm as honest as i can get and i what you get is what you see you know or what you see is what you get like i i put i i've always like kind of like wore my heart on my sleeve kind of thing and really tried to just show people that i want them even if if i if it's never been a product that i've i've they didn't like personally i want them to tell me tell me why and uh so i kind of know it's you you'll never fucking grow or learn if you just fucking have everybody telling you that you're the shit or anything like that like i don't give a fuck how good i ever do or anybody ever does there's always flaws in everybody you know every everybody can't like just uh, and then give everybody a chance too you know like even even a second chance too. like people fuck up people like especially in this growing game passion game you cannot nail it every fucking single time and if you are most of the time there's something wrong like i don't know i like i like i tend to be very consistent with what i do but i've had certain things that i've tried that oh that didn't work out very good you know I, I didn't like the way that worked out. I'm going to do it this way or, you know, I'm going to change it constantly, constantly growing, constantly learning. If you're not constantly growing, constantly learning, you're just, you're not living, you know? I agree with that 100%. Very wise man. Very wise man. That's for sure. So I can't help but wonder. I see the nice headphones. I see a camera over your shoulder. I see a guitar. Is that yours? Would you play that? You play? What do you play? Uh, I I my first like I, my first love was motocross, and I still do that. But my second love, which was was my first thing, because I did, couldn't afford motocross for so long, was I was I'm a drummer. I was a metal drummer in bands for fucking years i used to strictly think i was gonna make it in one of the few like i would be in multiple bands just to try hopefully get something going with one dedicated that's why i got long hair i've always i've been a metalhead hardcore metalhead for a while and then i finally i was very close-minded i guess when i was like probably 14 15 16 17 somewhere in there you know I was very like just Pantera, fucking Lamb of God, 
Uh, just Slipknot, just a huge Joey Jordison fan my whole life. I love Joey Jordison. Biggest reason why I fucking hated Slipknot for when they got rid of him over shit. You know, I, I st- still am a huge metalhead today. Like I love any new, even the new stuff's hard to listen to, I guess, but there's still amazing music being made. Uh, I, uh, I still love Lamb of God, like truly. But I, but I guess I produce a little bit of music, for, uh, not super hardcore or anything. I got a little studio set up, I guess, if you want to say. I, I can record and do damn near everything. I need a vocal booth. That'd be the only thing I could improve. But I, I make a, I have some music on SoundCloud just under Hem Night 848. Uh, but yeah, I just, I used to sell beats to I, uh, like, like rapper wannabes would pay 15, 20 bucks for a beat and shit like that. Did that for a little bit. That was kind of boring though. Cause I'm a metalhead. I, you know, it's easy to make them beats. So it's too easy because I have a drummer so I can make that shit. It's too easy. <laughs> right now I've said this and I'll say it again. Uh, Canvas and music go hand in hand. Anytime you ever want to just come rock out, we're willing to listen. I'll open up the fucking channel and let you rock out for a period of time. Watch fucking chat, fucking hangs out and chats. You know, might not suit the whoever, but you know, there's teach one there. Some night we'll find one for somebody. You know, at some point, yeah. I had um uh, Johnny Greenthumb. Who is another Michigan extract artist? And I know Wildflower. Yeah, uh, I, he, I know he was on a couple weeks ago and uh, busted out the guitar. And actually, I met him uh, last year, two years ago, up at Bigfoot uh, Lodge there. And, oh, it was last year, and he fucking put on like a campfire concert for us. And, and that night, I thought, man, I want to fucking, I want to do that. I want more of that. So the idea then was, man, to have <laughs> look for people in the as well as this kind of find people willing to come on and do like an earlier show in the evening and rock out and just let people hang. Johnny yeah. says he's going to do it, and they I, and he said it perfectly. You you happen to want to come on and rock out and put out your little buy me a coffee link. I'm good with that. I'll throw that fucker in the title and you can rock out and let fucking people chat. You want to do it? I'm completely gay. Completely gay. If uh, you ever want to do that. So, heavy metal, I'm down. They were asking in chat a long time ago. They're like, man, ask him to pick up that fucking guitar in the background. They've already asked earlier in the show. I'm uh, I'm what's crazy is I can I can play uh guitar just enough to like play rhythm. So <laughs> I'm not no lead guitar player. That's why I got like the fender for like the your twang ear, you know, fender type shit and then I got the fucking active pickup, you know, uh, 24 yeah, 24. That's what I'm saying. I'm not even that. I'm a drummer. I can play guitar, but I I'm a drummer. Still very badass, very badass. Get, get a few together. Can, We're here. I can play a little keyboard too here and there. I got a MIDI controller that I basically just make. I use it for making all the. I can. 
I, oh man, I've I just, what sucks is I've, I've fell back from it once I just, it just takes up a lot of time. It's like, I blow glass too. I'm an amateur blow glass blower too. So I, I got a little links. I rock yeah, and, full plate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just got a lot of the shit. I do are just it's all mainly hobbies that I, I could make money at, you know, it's just, I'd have to put more time. It just takes time. Music takes time. Uh, glass blowing takes a lot of time. It's it makes me sad sometimes because I feel like I I really like I enjoy it. I enjoy making music. I enjoy making glass and art because I suck at drawing. I'm a terrible fucking drawer, but I could make I'm I can make bowls and shit like that. You know, it's cool that you have us. A- Happy places, man. Helps life stay happy. Yeah. That'd be cool to have a fucking little music studio set up at the house there. Fucking roll one, lose yourself for a few hours. It'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. There'll be fucking times when my girlfriend will come back and I'll be deep into a beat and. Shit, it'll be it's what's crazy is I'm always like coming up with shit. Like I always try to come up with something I've never heard before. So she'd be like, she'll come in and she'd be like, Did you fucking make that? I'd be like, Yeah, I just got on some crazy shit. Start making <laughs> usually stoned out of my fucking mind. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely uh in fact I seen Lamb of God. Uh, the last time they were through here with uh, Slayer, the last Slayer concert I was at right now, uh, rocking that shit out. Good concert. It's funny, yeah. my, my, da- my oldest daughter, father, her uh, TV, hopefully someday husband, they were meeting. When they just first met, she was like trying to describe me. Kind of like Fucking uh, about him and shit. She's like, "Yeah, he's in a band. That's cool. That's cool." And she, it's like heavy metal. And then she like throws on like some of his music, and it was, it was pretty hard, but it wasn't. You know the whole oh, yeah. you know. What I mean? And she's like waiting for me to go, oh, God. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm down. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, that's fucking cool as shit. So, yeah, I think it's awesome, man. I still I'm still rock some heavy metal. I listen to everything, but I still rock some heavy metal. Yeah, I listen to fucking everything now. And then, I don't know, it's crazy how much my, like, ever since I, found like 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 real under like started understanding like for a long time as a metalhead like i was very closed-minded i i wish i would have been more open-minded because as i became uh more open-minded i became way i understood music way fucking better so now i wish i could make i wish because i've lost a lot of the skill for drums i sold my drum set and i've been meaning to buy an electric drum set for fucking years now I just had bought like a guitar and then I bought like a MIDI controller and shit like that. And the drums have been meaning to come back. Cause I, to be honest, I wanted to learn how to play guitar good again, 
which I got all right again, just good enough to really throw down some rhythm and shit like that. But uh, I felt uh, I need to, I wish I had the skill I had. Cause I used to be a speed. Like I could, I, I could play speed metal. You know, I, I Chris Adler from Lamb of God, I, he was another idol of mine. I used to play right along. Like I crank the, the, I'd have a crazy stereo. I crank and play right along with it. I loved Lamb of God. I love Chris Adler's drumming style too. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's good music, man. His fucking that was a good concert, guy. I was uh, impressed by the, the mosh pit they they produced. Uh, oh, my which God. was pretty cool. It was actually they had took over the hill. They had two going. Two circles and they were like counterclockwise of each other. So they were like, "Wash well, this way." I'm like, "Oh, they fucking yeah." It was good. It was a good time, man. It was a good time. Hey, what I thought was really cool is I first time in a while, fucking I seen. I can't. This Joe would had to be well into his older age, well into his senior. 70, I want to say 70, easy, easy. Fucking just bouncing around in there, fucking. <laughs> I mean, just like he, he, he looked and acted like he was 21. And everybody was, you know, they, they you'd see like they'd come through and go, holy shit, you know, <laughs> trying to <laughs> be very respectful of him and shit. I, thought, I just thought it was super cool. How everybody, you know, kind of let it be a part of it. Yeah, it was a good day, man. All in all, one of the best overall events I've seen in a, in a while. Was it at DT Energy Center? Or no, that was... Yeah, Europe. yeah. That's where it was? No, it's DT, yeah. Yeah, okay. It was right down, down there. Detroit there, yeah. Uh, I, do you know Grand Rapids at all? A little bit. Uh, there used to be the orbit room, and it was a big ass stage with a tiny ass like place. Do you remember it? I don't. I got I to don't. see Did you play there. Or... No, I, I I used to help out with people. I I was always trying to get would do whatever I could to try to get in the industry. So I'd get in with one of the opening bands and try to get backstage and do all that shit all the time. Smoke with the bands and shit like that. I smoke with uh, the bass player from Lamb of God. But uh, uh, shit, I lost my. But uh, I that I used to that that was uh, like they used to pack that fucking little ass building with people, and the mosh because you could you could be in the back and in in a mosh pit would break out, especially during a Lamb of God show like that. That was some of the most like crazy shows I ever went to because it was like when these bands were like blowing up the most and just sold out and they're just packing them in that fucking place like it it was it was some of the most like like i seen a guy in a wheelchair just disappear in a wall of death one time there <laughs> it's just i never like i mean i like watching the mosh pits but i was never about really i mean i would get in them when i get drunk or something stupid like that but <laughs> I never was like one just going for it. 
This is where you get my old man story. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> 93. Pantera, White Zombie, Megadeth, fucking DTE, fucking, oh, man. I'm rolling around. We split up from my friends. I'm fucking, they go up on the hill, and I'm wandering around, which there's a pavilion in the hill right there. And uh, fucking, as I head around there, fucking Pantera fires up. And that fucking, I had full intentions on being in the mosh pit, but I didn't necessarily for the duration. My buddy said, man, they heard the fucking chords. You could hear the fucking, they're like, where are the, where are their fuckers? And I had on this like very distinguished hat or not, you know, you could pick it out of the crowd. It was like all tie-dyed. Like, there he is. There's that. Where'd he go? <laughs> I was in that fucking that whole fucking set, man. By the time the next day came, I don't think between the whole day's event, that mosh and that fucking day's event, I didn't get off that couch for like two days after being in that fucking pit that day at that concert, man. I was just sore from fucking head to toe. Later on in the day, when I fucking uh White zombies playing. They actually pulled up the hill and were throwing it into the fucking pavilion. <laughs> the whole hill was in the fucking pavilion by the end of the fucking day. The end of that concert by far one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Oh my god! To see Pantera live was well, I. I've been a huge Dimebag Daryl fan like my whole life, so. To see Pantera live would have been. I seen Hell Yeah. The closest I ever seen was Hell Yeah, which is just Vinnie Paul and Rex. But that 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 was cool. I seen them with Lamb of God. That was cool. Wasn't a huge Hell Yeah fan, but I love Vinnie Paul. So I didn't really come into Hell Yeah. Until like the last few years, man, I really started to, uh, as far as that goes, uh, kind of opened me back up to Mudvayne. I never, never yeah, was really a I forgot. I love Mudvayne fan until yeah. I became a hell yeah fan. I was like, eh, maybe it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Went back and kind of listened to a lot of the old Mudvayne. So, so. Yeah, I love Mudvayne. I was always huge. I love that that his the singer too. So I guess I did like Hell Yeah, but I just was didn't like a few of their songs. I feel like they they could have they, I don't know. I was super hype when Hell Yeah, like they were forming. I thought it was gonna be a huge like. I thought it was gonna be better than what it was. Still really good, but I thought it was gonna be better. <laughs> Cowboy way. Let's see. Let's get fucked up. El Polonaise. They got them too, man. They had some really good ones, but they also had some like, well, I mean, and that's where I guess I'm being, I'm, I'm just, cause it's like, I was thinking, you know, like, oh, this is going to be kind of cool with Vinnie Paul's kind of style mixed with Mudvayne. And, you know, that's, I, I was, I was, I don't know, I guess I was really, 
I, I that's what I was saying. But even back then, I was so closed minded. I feel like I I wish I would have probably opened up more to just I don't know, just music, like putting music together, stuff like that, and and stuck keys and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? I ne- I used to just fucking like I never knew anything about music structure. Like when I played in a lot of the bands I did, I just was a very I pr- I practiced playing drums every part of the reason why i have a little bit of hearing loss is because of drums i uh i never wore fucking plugs and i used to practice four or five hours a day that shit's terrible on your ears man i can only imagine probably half deaf these days probably <laughs> yeah it fucking uh i feel like it's came back since I stopped a little bit, you know, I think it's definitely fucked me, but, uh, I, uh, I used to just, I wanted to be like really dialed. I, my dad was a drummer too, in a, just a bar band for years. And one thing he like, just really like drilled into my head about like being a good drummer is, is being crisp, like the crisper you were, and not going too fast. Like when I became a speed metal drummer, I just wanted to go fast, 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 fast. But then I had to slow down to be faster. Yeah. That shit wears that shit wears on your joints in time too, man. That drummer roll. Oh yeah, my wrists. But they're, they're a lot. But they've, to be honest, ever since I stopped playing so much, everything's gotten a lot better. My wrists and my thumbs, especially. My hands used to ice play till my hands were numb sometimes. So, uh, do you ever uh, plan to uh, get a band together again? You ever plan on uh, actually pursuing that dream at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, what I'd like to do is just like mainly like, I I think the band thing is like, unless, I don't know, it's almost done. Like, I think I could just more just work with, work with other musicians and that play multiple instruments and us just make music together. Like instead of the whole band type thing, just, uh, get somebody else that has like a different point of view and throw my stuff at him and see what he can do to me and us just make music together. Black key style. Yeah. Cause I always worked. That's what was sucked about a lot of the bands I was, I was in is I was always making something really good with like the bass player or the, the rhythm guitar player or the, me and the lead guitar player did really good. Or me and the singer could actually come up with like, really good stuff like like lyrical wise into the music and it was always like i was working really good with one but the others like were just not in it you know or just like guitar like people thinking they run shit or you know and as a drummer you get shit on kind of you know like you're like oh you're not that important when you're like the most important (laughs) Gotta have that uh, rhythm. Gotta have that rhythm to play too. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can't just sit there. Oh man, 
guitar players like are i yeah i i said so many times uh the guitar players you could kick a tree and find 10 10 guitar players to fall out you know you can't find a bass player fucking anywhere anymore that's that is what's awesome when you can come when you're a bat when you're a badass drummer and you can find a badass bass player and that that's the backbones of the fucking music right there sure all the good songs i remember especially heavy metal ones i remember that fucking thing pounding bass throughout let's tap when that's good rock and roll back then i love some heavy metal man but man that good old like led zeppelin the heavy drums in that shit that's good metal that's good rock and roll right there yeah my my dad he uh grew up he he was he's a drummer too he which what's crazy is like they got me into like playing guitar at first and my dad really never what's weird he taught me count Uh, the biggest thing he ever taught me count but he never really me and his drive drumming styles are fucking like day and night difference he's so old school and i was i was very new school Yeah, it's crazy talking about music. I don't talk about music that much anymore. It's crazy. Why? Wow, it's the soundtrack of life, man. Gotta love music in some shape or form. Yeah, I used to talk about, like I said, I was so deep into it. And uh, and I just kind of, I, I had a lot of bad, pro- like one of my guys, I, one of my favorite guitar player friends, we wrote a lot of really amazing music together and we had a lot of, we had, I feel like we had some songs that really could have made like mainstream metal, literally. Like we could have made them into singles and like they would have, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know. Like you can never predict anything, but you know, but he, he got salty because of all the shit we were going through with other bandmates and stuff like that. So, and then he didn't like that. I focused, you know, it came down to, he you know he worked a factory job so he was working his ass off and coming practicing as much as he could you know and stuff like that but he thought i could have been doing more because i was i remember him looking at me one day and being like it's it's either the grow or this you know man like you got to choose one because i was dedicating a lot of time to growing and he kind of said that and i looked right at him and i was like dude this band ain't making me any money like i love music but I ain't going to go broke being an artist. <laughs> so the girl kind of took over the main part of my life. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't know what to say to that. I'm a big advocate of being able to, you know, pick up and run at any point in life that you feel fit. You know what I mean? You should never feel, you know, boxed in with what you're doing or, you know, there's still time to always pursue a dream, I feel. You know, I oh, yeah. Life. It may be cannabis now, but you never know, you know, 
you get it up, set up and running, start living the good life, you never know. The band may be able to come back at someday. You're already kind of keeping it on the, the burner somewhat, you know what I mean? So cheers to you for at least keeping it on the back burner, not just throwing it down. I felt that way with sports, man. You know, for me, that's where my love was, you know, uh, in sports. I played sports, but when real life kind of occurred, and I don't want to get too much into the story, but real life came into the play um, and twisted things before I could go journey too heavy down into the athletics. And uh, once I realized that, like, fucking sports wasn't going to be the dream, athletics wasn't going to be the dream, I fucking hung that shit up. To this day, I don't watch football. I don't fucking lie out. That's not the dream. I want to fucking watch that shit for it. It's not even part of the equation. You know what I mean? Why do yeah. I want to live? Watch? That's the same. That's exactly why do I want? Why do I want to watch somebody else live the dreams that I've had? You know what I mean? Good for them. I appreciate it. I'm not hate, you know, but as far as, you know, wasting good time, you know, and what I'm doing, it's not part of the cards. I'd rather focus on <laughs> oh, today's dream. You know what I mean, rather than kick myself. I could have been there. It could have been me scoring that football. I think you know. I think that, that's that's the way I look at watching sports these days. Again, and well, having three daughters didn't how they didn't they weren't keen on the sports anyway. Kind of kind of all just worked out really. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of people that like. Uh, that were into sports like a lot of my buddies that were into sports like that 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 like that they always have girls as like kids it's kind of crazy because like they always want that boy to like do that same but they end up having like two girls or something like that it's crazy it's almost like it's to like slow you down like make you look at life in a different way i guess or something i don't know always oh, slowed me down all right i ain't gonna lie about this shit slowed <laughs> me down in all kinds of ways. I want to, I'm not gonna lie, I love my girls, I cherish my girls without a doubt, but I wanted that boy tremendously bad, tremendously bad. Like, as you pointed out, teased the fuck out of me. Fuck out of me with that shit. First one, my baby B, they fucking told me Midway, oh yeah, that's a boy. I got all pumped. Hell yeah, that boy had all kinds of boy stuff happening. Ready, she came out, girl. That's life right there. That. <laughs> Lexi, I, I, that hangs out, chat. Two ultrasounds. <laughs> Boy. Boy. Nope. Third one, I'm like, you can fuckers don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> Girl. Girl.
I'm back. <laughs> oh, I, can you say something there, my friend? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm glad you can hear me. Well, I didn't want to cut it short. We're only about, right, technically, about 30 minutes short. But it is fucking pouring here in northern Michigan. I was actually checking the weather a few minutes ago as I heard fucking the rumble of thunder. And I don't think my computer connection's coming back. So I logged back on and uh, from my phone to just kind of part ways and say goodbye. Because um, I know I'm going to... I hate this phone thing. To do another half hour of this would be not fun. Not fun. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, hold wait, on. wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I can see you. And I can hear you. Hold on. I'm, hold on. It's, it's fucking late as shit. I didn't realize I've had an awesome fucking time talking with you, though, man. Oh, hold on here a second before you uh, part ways. Let me. Uh... Oh, fuck. I'll just set this down. I can hear you good now. They they can't see the third box anyway. So, all right. So, basically, we'll go ahead and finish this up. Uh, Once again, it's been an awesome conversation. Did you think you'd go this far? I know when we started this thing, I kind of mentioned the time slot, and you kind of were like, hey, no, that shit ain't happening. But did you Uh, think we would make it this long tonight? No, dude. Yeah, I... I didn't even think I had that much shit to talk about, to be honest. Fuck. Just getting stoned and I just keep ranting. <laughs> hey, man, I've had a great conversation. You may call it ranting, but I've had a great night. I can't thank you enough. And uh, you said you've kind of caught a few of these, but let me refresh your memory a little bit uh, about the way things work around here. Uh, of course, we've done the spotlight tonight, so... Uh, Basically, the way things work around here is uh, once you do the spotlight, you are now uh, officially, I guess, a member of the We Nerd World. Uh, basically, the Zoom link that I sent you this evening is uh, your link to any We Nerd World. Oh, you know, 
anytime Monday nights, and we're trying to get back to where Wednesday nights are either uh, the organic takeover or West Coast takeover. The, uh, well, the organic takeovers when Smiley one-on-ones straightly organics. But if it's a weed nerd world in the title, you can come and hang out any night. So basically, weed nerd worlds, uh, Monday night for sure, 2 a.m. Michigan time. If you're bored, up, nothing to do, you can come hang out. No invitation needed. You can come just hit that link and come hang out any night you want to. Uh, Wednesday nights, if uh, Wednesday nights is a West Coast takeover, they start at 1130. So if you want to come hang out on an earlier night for a few few minutes, few hours, whatever, tell everybody what you're doing or you just want to come hang out and smoke for a minute, that'd be cool. Uh, the other only other ways you can find them are random. So like I said in the beginning, I'm grateful for an hour, 10 minutes, whatever. If the guest only takes me for a half hour, I pretty much tuck and roll, take a quick break, and then fire back up with the weed nerd world. So they're kind of sporadic, but yet you can count on two nights a week. So um, anytime you want, I'm sure not just myself would like to have another conversation with you, but more people in the cannabis community as well. We like to get to know each other and, you know, just have some fun nights picking each other's brains. So any night you want to, feel free to join us. I know myself and everybody else would like to get to know you a little bit more. So please take us up on that. The other thing I'd like to get from you before you go is a little thing I call the soundbite. And basically my version of the soundbite would be, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking Talking Shit with Eagle episode. 622 you can say anything before or after that as long as it's got that in the body and i am ready anytime you are my friend hey i'm hep night melts uh and i'm on talking shit with eagle and uh that was a great conversation right now i'll take that um you want to tell everybody one last time, of course, they'll be able to find it in the link of the show and in the bio on the website where they can find you. But in case they're lazy and they just want to do the audio thing, where the hell can they find you, Hemp Knight? <laughs> uh, really just on Hemp Knight Melts on Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to do more. So, so I was trying to get on some other social medias or something like that too. Cause Instagram sucks. Everybody knows Instagram sucks. Could be my page could be deleted at any fucking moment the way things are now. So yeah. Thank you for everything, man. Thank you. Hope, hopefully I educated some people and I don't know. Hopefully people like, like see the transparency and uh, I really like who you are too. You're cool, dude. Thank you, my friend. That's really nice of you. I appreciate the kind words. And if we don't see you in the word word we nerd world sometime soon, hopefully we can just have a one-on-one sometime soon. An update. So yeah, I'll probably jump on for sure. For sure. Especially if there's other people, other hash heads to talk to. I'm I'm always fucking down. Well, that's that's the beauty of the that's the beauty of the setup of the weed nerd world is it's only open to past guests. So 
on any night that I fire it up, I don't even know who in the fuck's coming. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's as random as it can fucking get. So the only thing I can say is tune in. If it applies to you and you want to come hang out, fucking hit that link and fucking grab your tray and come hang out. We'd love to have an extra. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was that's fucking you're you're a really good dude for doing this, man. I don't have even that many followers on Instagram. Hopefully, hopefully I gain a few from this. But like I said, my Instagram could be I mean, with the way things are, it could be deleted at any moment. We need stuff like this just in solid state. So people they ever want to know me or what the fuck ever I like or whatever, you know, it's you're putting you're putting that on, you know. It, you're also a great host too. So thank you. I appreciate that. I'm actually looking to step things up, man, a little bit. Now, these days, you'll be able to find this episode on YouTube. You'll be able to find it on the website. And you'll be able to find it on Spotify. It's actually on video form on Spotify, iTunes, all that good shit these days. iTunes is just audio. But everywhere, uh, YouTube, website, and Spotify are all video replays. Anywhere else in audio form on any podcast platform. So if you've got a friend that missed the show, if they listen to podcasts or they have a way to listen, they can find you there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention uh, Swamp Hash. Swamp Hash actually helped me uh, prepare a little bit for this. Uh, just like he, he made me, he gave me some confidence. So I forgot to mention him. I literally did Paisley Acres. That's part of that little crew up there. Good peeps. Good peeps. Well, with that being said, man, thank you so much for hanging out. And I do sincerely look forward to talking to you again soon, man. Thank you for talking shit, man. We'll see you sometime soon. Peace out, man. With that being said, for the rest of you guys, we're too close to that 420 mark, so I will see you tomorrow night. You guys hopefully know the deal. Random acts kindness do save lives. I will see you tomorrow night. See ya. Thanks again, Hemp Night.